Are you sitting there right now using a PC with an overpriced operating system while you eat unhealthy ramen? Well, I apparently have all of the solutions to your life. Go to Vite Ramen right now and get their healthy protein-filled ramen for 10% off with offer code BROKENSILICON. And then go to cdkeyoffer.com to get 25% off all Windows keys and use DieShrink to get 3% off everything else on the website. And we'll talk about these sponsors more later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Birthday Tom, and today I am joined by my co-host, uh, Birthday and Eight Days Dan. I was gonna say, I, I was, I would assume you'd at least say almost Birthday Dan. You know, it's funny, both of our birthdays in the same within about a week of each other. I believe my girlfriend and her sister's birthday also is. Oh, that's interesting. And I think you know, it's funny. We've talked about me and her. Like in our family, Dan, like the October through December area, especially November, is the birthday area for our family. Hers is April and May. It's just funny. And I've heard from people before that they often have clusters. I'm sure we can guess why of where their family (laughs) tends to have kids. Yeah, I mean, I think... um With you and me and our four cousins on the one side of the family, I believe four of us have birthdays within a month of each other. (laughs) And then we also have a bunch of other family members who are in like November and December as well. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Interesting alignment. Interesting. No one could hypothesize why that would be. Or why people often have birthdays in November. Who knows? Nope. No one could possibly subtract nine months and think of what holiday that's happening in. <laughs> but um, actually, for this episode, you know, I didn't see any necessary like corrections, opening stuff. Um, the first story was actually, well, you'll hear in the write-up, was going to be a story later in the episode. And it's gotten to be big enough over this past weekend where I was actually on kind of a mini vacation with my girlfriend. And we... You know, we'd be like walking around in a city and then I'd get a message via whatever I won't, I won't even say, like one messaging app. And then I get an email from another source. And over time, this first story here that we're going to be talking about eventually turned into so big that I was like, well, it's going to be Thanksgiving week. I'm not going to have time to cover like Threadripper and possibly as usual something else that can pop up out of nowhere. I mean, half of the weeks when you guys see me do a video, it uh, <laughs> it was not even planned 24 hours ahead of time. <laughs> so I always try to leave a little bit of room there at this point. You know, actually, I'm interrupting myself, but back in 2019, uh, in the early days of the channel, I don't know if you remember, Dan, uh, this is actually when I had another job at the same time as doing this. I would often like pre-record, and maybe it's because I was new, so I had so many ideas, but I'd like pre-record several scripts ahead of time and then edit them and then just drop an ep- like uh, a video a day over time. And I, a large part of that, I think, was I was worried I'd run out of content. And Yeah, you know. I, I, I mean, I think 
I remember early on in the channel, it was sometimes like you would drop like three or four videos in a week. And now it's gone to a, I, I think a pretty steady pace of a podcast and a video every week for the most part. Every once in a while, there will be more than, than that. But that, that's. And if I ever feel like it's a light week, there's usually a die shrink for patrons or a loose ends live stream I have to do, or we have to do anyways, right? So this idea (laughs) of trying to make sure there's endless content when you already know there's going to be at least one podcast in that week and most likely a die shrink or loose ends seems silly. I'll, there'll be something to talk about or some leak I've been working on behind the scenes that is ready. And, uh, anyways, though, getting back on subject here. What we're about to talk about became more and more to the point that I was like, I don't have time to drop this in the beginning of next week as a video, but what was going to be a minor story is now just going to be the first one we start with. And so without wasting any more time, let us get going with story number one, Meteor Lake OEM Chaos Leak. On a recent Loose Ends, yours truly shared new power, performance, and OEM sentiment information that continue to heat more cold water on the Meteor Lake hype. Now, to be clear, the Cinebench R23 multi-threading score of 20,000 plus that I leaked, you know, in that live stream does suggest that Meteor Lake can, at least under unconstrained TDPs, match or beat Raptor Lake mobile i7s that have the same core counts, you know, six big cores, eight little cores, and that a performance curve that I also talked about in that leak suggested that under 90 watts, Meteor Lake is at least 10% faster than Raptor Lake at same TDPs and same core counts and can get up to 20% or higher performance advantages over Raptor Lake if constrained to 45 watts or lower. So to be fair, Meteor Lake did seem better than Raptor Lake in most scenarios and laptops, but it did seem like a major performance increase or even efficiency increase over Raptor Lake in heavy workloads wasn't really high enough to do anything more than disappoint at least a little bit. Like being 10 to, correct, correct, let me jump in here, Dan. We talked about this offline. Meteor Lake being 10 to 20% faster than Raptor Lake uh, or maybe even 30% to like 45 watts that's not what you were expecting. No, not at all. And, and I mean, that's not terrible, but it, it, it does it does get worse the higher up the performance curve you go. <laughs> but, yeah. To the point that in that curve I described in the loose ends, I also noted that at 150 watts, Raptor Lake seems to win. But anyways, going back to the new information today, For this episode of Broken Silicon, our original intention for the Meteor Lake story was just to discuss these developments that had already been discussed in the recent Loose Ends, but now, now it has gone from being the last story to the lead story since new information has been sent to us over the weekend, and without further ado, here is the four new quotes. The first one comes from an Intel contact that interfaces uh, with OEMs a lot. Quoting directly here, just saw your live stream. So I've received this, you know, last week, or I guess that would have been, yeah, around between Thursday and Saturday. And he says, I'd like to confirm that at least in some scenarios, Meteor Lake is definitely performing below what our partners expected. I'm not sure what went wrong. It's not my department. But in the past month, my days have been filled with meetings with angry OEMs asking us why Meteor Lake is barely better than Raptor Lake in their testing. I'm just going to move on to another quote here that I received like half a day after this from an OEM partner of Intel. Quote, in some form factors, Meteor Lake is better than Raptor Lake 
but it isn't always better. And that's just not good enough. We were planning for an Alder Lake moment for the 2023 back to school sales period. And instead, we seem to be getting an Ice Lake moment that misses the holidays. Your viewers need to understand why that's a problem from OEMs. Many of us don't have a stockpile of AMD CPUs ready to use as alternatives. We have to sell Intel, and we've been waiting for years for something exciting and new that isn't just another refresh of Alder Lake. Now, we're going to have to try to convince consumers they need some new expensive AI laptop this January that effectively does nothing new with its tile technology besides cost more than what they could have bought a couple of years ago. And moving on to a third quote here. This is one of the ones I didn't even have time to send you ahead of time, Dan. This person is from a major OEM uh, who was essential to many of my past Intel leaks. This person says, Quoting, in our final testing, there is no appreciable CPU performance uplift with Meteor Lake over Raptor Lake, and thus you're going to see us lean into AI graphics and performance per watt heavily for our marketing. Look, I don't know what the exact percentage performance expectations were by our engineers speaking to their engineers a year ago, but I can promise you that everyone I personally work with at this OEM, including me, expected a general performance uplift to happen with Meteor Lake in addition to major efficiency improvements at the same time. Actually, on that note, AI was only ever going to be a bonus selling point of Meteor Lake, and it's only in the past few months Intel suddenly told us to focus on that as the main selling point. And by the way, they were told that before they saw the performance and then understood it. <laughs> And moving on to the final quote I want to show today, this fourth one here is a major OEM who I feel is not the average opinion, or let's even put it this way. This isn't the median opinion of all of Intel's partners, but they are very negative, and it's shocking to me how negative this is, considering this is one of the biggest OEMs on Earth that works with Intel. This person says, Meteor Lake, don't make me roll my eyes and don't waste your time talking about it anymore. It's a waste of sand, or let's put it this way. We won't be supporting Meteor Lake in our products above what's necessary to keep a satisfactory relationship with Intel, and we will be utilizing Hawkpoint and Strixpoint as quickly as possible next year with as much volume as they will give us. We see the writing on the wall. It's time to go 50-50 with Intel and AMD and laptop as quickly as possible. We don't want to get screwed over like this ever again. And so there you go. According to every single Intel partner and OEM I've talked to, Meteor Lake is considered a massive disappointment. In fact, multiple contacts compared it to Rocket Lake, not because it uses a ton of energy, but because it seems not worth getting over Comet Lake. And actually, this perfectly explains why Desktop Meteor Lake was canceled, as leaked a year ago by this channel. That's because above 150 watts, Meteor Lake doesn't even seem to outperform Raptor Lake by a percentage point. Oh, and don't forget that recent leak surfacing of AMD's Hawkpoint show it bringing 12% higher performance over Phoenix, and thus putting it all together, it looks like AMD might snowball laptop next year and certainly through 2025, since Meteor Lake doesn't seem to beat even Hawkpoint, which will launch one month at most after Meteor Lake, and then a half a year after that, Strixpoint boosts performance another 25 to 50%, and it could be a whole other half a year to a year before Arrow Lake Mobile is even ready to respond Which and who knows what that will even be at this point <laughs> i i absolutely yeah well i mean i i've, I've done a leak where i showed like six plus eight and stuff so i think similar core counts without hyper threading supposedly uh yeah i mean and and you were with me along this me messaging you over the weekend <laughs> like uh dan this i won't say the name oem just got back to yeah, me yeah. 
they're saying they might start shifting to mostly AMD within a few years. Not which anyone who says that's not a big deal, it's like, well, I mean, if you've been working with Intel as your main laptop partner for for forever, I mean, uh, I mean, how, how long has yeah. Intel had market dominance before? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then you're saying within three years, half of our laptops, fifty percent of our sales could be AMD laptops. That that's just shocking. Uh, I mean, the, the only thing that worries me when I hear something like that is if AMD is able to keep up with the demand that they might have for with some of their manufacturers. I mean, not manufacturers, some of their partners, because I could see a reality where a lot of these OEMs just don't have the availability they have if you know they don't want to buy from Intel and AMD can't keep up with the demand, which could lead to higher uh, laptop prices. But crossing my fingers that doesn't happen, but. Well, I think, honestly, what you would just see in that scenario is AMD just take less market share over time because, you know, Intel will still be making their stuff and wanting to keep their share. And so Mm -hmm. they'll just sell it for less and fill in that gap, I would assume. Or there'd be a little bit, of course, if AMD can't supply enough, Intel can charge a little more. But you know what I mean? Like, there is enough chips to go around. So I don't see laptop prices going up because of this. Well, yeah, I mean, just what my one thought is AMD uh, APU laptops do seem to be in high demand as it goes. And I I don't know, with everything coming out about Meteor Lake, it sounds like that demand might be even higher because, I mean, I guess I want it more than what their Raptor Lake uh, products, uh, I mean, laptops, but not that much more, um, especially if you're talking about closer to like high performance gaming or desktop replacements then it's effectively useless uh versus raptor lake and so now you're at the this point where i really only see it being that good looking of a proposition and like some thin in lights but w- but with hawk point i mean hawk point's probably going to end up beating this at that power level anyways so I don't know. The Meteor Lake is looking like it could be the worst generation that Intel has had for laptops because say what you will. Relative to the competition. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about like how Intel has performed over the past like five, six years when it comes to desktop. I think they've left a lot to be desired, but I still think they've generally been fine in laptops Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I, I think a big part of that is just AMD hasn't really been trying to sell 16 core uh laptop cpus until now mm-hmm. so well, i don't know I, how i think this is important them. to highlight right because i think a lot of people uh, I, I think i think people tend to remember what the current status quo is what the current opinion in the zeitgeist is and then they forget that that's that's not what the opinion was just a year ago go like they tend to retcon how people think about things now into everything in history because this is how it's turned out you know what i mean Oh, yeah, you see that with the news all the time. People people forget what people were thinking about for, with basically everything from a year ago. <laughs> yeah, that's not new. But so like an example of this would be Intel's laptops. I think people will look at, you know, Intel 14th gen, what's going on with Sapphire Rapids, Emerald Rapids power consumption, and they'll go, well, Intel has been losing since Zen was out in efficiency. It's just not what the case was when Zen launched. Zen 1 launched... And it was, in multi-threading performance, obviously more efficient than, um, like, KB Lake. But, I mean, it wasn't as good at gaming, and KB Lake had four cores. So, like, 
duh. And and laptop, Intel just kind of overnight after Zen 1 came out, launched quad cores with eight threads and smaller form factors, started releasing six cores into laptops with Coffee Lake and, and eight cores and so on and so forth. And all of those laptop chips were more efficient than their desktop chips. Like I had a Whiskey Lake i7 laptop mm-hmm. that was as efficient, if not in testing, 10 to 20% more efficient than Zen 1 and Zen Plus laptops. And then there was like the special Surface Edition Zen Plus laptop that had 11 Vega compute units for those who don't remember. But Intel had Ice Lake and Ice Lake was higher performance and did use less energy and was like 20% less integrated. Tiger Lake was more efficient, generally speaking, than what AMD had with Cezanne even. And And Cezanne, I would would say like Cezanne is really the first generation where... A- AMD CPUs were really sought after. And then after that with... Uh, Renoir, Renoir was, but mostly because of the price, not because it was always more efficient. It often was. But it, it wasn't like... And it wasn't until after Tiger Lake... I mean, Tiger Lake was really efficient in specific use cases. Alder Lake Mobile was really specific. Um, I think Rembrandt was actually a surprise that it, it... It was surprising that it kept up, in a way, with Alder Lake Mobile. Yeah, you, yeah. If you remember, like, oh, Zen 3 Plus... Maybe it isn't quite as high performance, but in 35 watts, it actually still ties it. We were surprised AMD still tied Intel at 35 watts. And now Phoenix has come out and it's more efficient. And we, I think, right, we expected Meteor Lake to at least leapfrog that. And it doesn't seem like it's really going to. And I'm sure people will look at what happens with Strix versus Meteor Lake and go, anyone could have seen this happen. And Intel has been able to defend mobile efficiency, not always, not consistently. They had overheating six cores and, uh, you know, <laughs> MacBooks. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it was all great, but this to me seems like we're on the cusp of this just not happening anymore. And one of the OEMs seemingly sounds like they're betting on it ahead of time. We are already ordering tons of AMD, and and I won't say which one it is, but it is an OEM that has a decent amount of AMD laptop offerings already, because we can see where this is going. And the OEMs that bet on Intel and double down on Meteor, like I'm telling you, people, some of these. Com- I only showed you some of the quotes. They are pissed at <laughs> Intel with the performance they're seeing out of Meteor. Like, I mean, if AMD didn't have like a hawk point, hawk point to hold them over until Strix was coming out. Maybe this wouldn't look as terrible because they would still turn out to look a little bit better than Phoenix, but just with AMD re- able to completely deflate this launch with Hawkpoint, I, I really don't know how Intel can how Intel can uh, turn this into a good story for them. Like, and I was talking to you about that, like when you first started sending me these quotes. What was it? Probably Friday or Thursday or Friday. Some of them are probably are, are arriving before that. I will say the most crazy ones you hadn't even seen until just now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was talking to you about that. Like, it, to, it, to some extent, it's hard to even know what to say about Intel a- anymore because it feels like the, their lines always start out like the, sounding like it's possibly going to be optimistic. And then they, then they get more and more pessimistic and fail to meet expectations more and more with every generation each time. And like any promise from Intel, I just don't know what it means anymore because they seem to always under deliver with the exception of like Alder Lake um, Mm -hmm. since Zen has come out, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
I think, um, you know, there's going to be people I can already see it. Well, I guess let me, let me say t- one more thing before I get to what I was just about to say. Like, yeah. I am sure Meteor Lake in some scenarios will be painted impressively with legitimate numbers. That is uh-huh. to say, I'm sure that in 35 watt scenarios, especially in certain levels of usage, I, th- I continue to suspect that in idle and in low usage scenarios, it may have a quite decent efficiency boost over Phoenix and Raptor Lake uh, mobility chips. I, I think it probably will, yeah. but it just seems obvious that there will be the other reviews you'll occasionally see, heavy usage reviews, where people were like, I didn't occasionally browse YouTube and answer emails. I browsed YouTube while answering emails, watched Netflix in 4K, and multitasked in Chrome. And in those scenarios, to me, it seems like Meteor Lake isn't that much more efficient than Phoenix. And Hawkpoint might match it anyways while being significantly cheaper and probably beating it at a bunch of other things. And, and Hawkpoint's the stopgap to save AMD some time, or I'm sorry, buy them more time for Strix. Yeah. Hawkpoint was never meant to beat Meteor. Like you can look at their, you know, you can look at that APU uh, lineup roadmap that i put out there and see that it, it's now going to be strix up here and in fact strix halo and fire range is their most premium aquapoint's kind of meant to replace what we have now with the 735 hs and instead it sounds like it will be good enough that it can keep up or beat meteor like maybe that's why amd's pushing back strix by the way we don't always know what they're seeing that we're not seeing behind the scenes. They know much more than us. It's their their job, and they pay people six figures to multiple people probably to predict and see what <laughs> yeah. the competition's doing. And it's just funny to go, oh well, it seemed like Meteor Lake has time in the sun, and that because AMD's failed and is delaying Strix, and there's almost a part of me like now, oh no, maybe AMD hasn't failed by delaying Strix. Maybe they know they can get away with delaying Strix and have it, making it more prepared at launch because Hawkpoints end up to beat Meteor Lake anyways. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> ultimately, I don't know what decisions were made for what reason, but I, I mean, it's kind of hard for AMD to not uh, dunk this layup so that uh, Intel gave them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I guess the thing I also cut myself off before about that I want to say now is. I just want to frame, though, you know, I've said, hey, look, I'm not saying Meteor Lake won't have scenarios where it wins. I'm not saying you're not going to see some reviewers review Meteor Lake and say it's more efficient than the competition. That's not the point. It, it needs to be a lot better than that, though. It can't just beat Phoenix. It can't just trade blows with Hawkpoint and be this thing that Intel can rely on to hold market share for a year straight because no. it costs more to make and AMD is Strix coming. And and I, I can already see, you know, the people in the comments going, well, two things. They'll just there'll be the people that say Meteor Lake actually seems great. It's 10 percent more efficient than Phoenix or whatever, 20, 30, whatever it is. It's not going to be twice as much and they have better stuff coming. And then I want to say there's going to be other people, too, who go, well, Tom, what about all these Meteor Lake leaks you had in the past that said Meteor Lake, I mean, is going to be this much better performance than this? And all I can say is. That is what the documents and the engineers at Intel said. And that's also what they told their OEMs. And it's really starting to feel like ARC to me all over again, where I was excited a couple of years before it came out. 
I hyped it up because th- what I saw and what people at Intel told me was exciting. And then before launch, it becomes obvious this is not panning out. And then you're just going to have the other people attack me for being an Intel hater when I'm the one who is excited about Meteor Lake. I'm the one, again, just like Ark. I, I leaked Redwood Cove, exclusive leak for Moore's Law is Dead. And I can just promise you, if it sounds like I'm hating, I'm not. I'm just this disappointed. And it's because I knew that they wanted to achieve far more than this. And anyone who thinks I'm making that up, you think Intel wanted to launch something that costs more to make than Raptor Lake, comes out a year after it and loses day. That was intentional. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, and that just goes back to like what I was saying earlier. It's just it's hard to even talk about Intel at this point because I, I, I don't know what to, I, I, I don't know what, when they're talking to their partners and when they're talking to the public, how much of it is just complete BS because they seem to you, their number one product seems to be slides that over promise, <laughs> that over, over promise on what the product is going to be two years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, Unfortunately, where they're at, and I need to see a few generations of product launches before I can real really have any faith that they're actually able to put out a good product consistently again. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the final thing that I kind of definitely want to bring up about this story is I just want to make sure I make it clear. Like again, I, I've touched on it. Like this isn't good enough. They wanted an Alder Lake moment instead. They have something that costs more to make than Raptor Lake. That's not better. And we have to tell people, you know, better at 45 watts. Then Raptor like, yeah, but it's not double. It's crazy. Uh, But um, I I just want to point out, like, uh, we have to still wait and see how good the graphics performance is. I'm I'm standing by the fact that I'm I'm standing by this thing that that it it should at least be around Phoenix performance. I know that there's been some benchmarks that have come out. I've had people suggest to me, I think it was an OpenCL one that Meteor Lake's underperformance there, that tends to be one they don't do as well in, just like they, I think they tend to do well in time spine stuff, and we don't know if it's final drivers and so on and so forth. I still expect Meteor Lake to at least be competitive with Phoenix, but man, if it loses to Phoenix and integrated graphics, and I guess I always suspected actually that in synthetic benchmarks they'll win and in games they'll be a mixed bag as well. It's ARC, that's how their performance goes. Um, but I would say, yeah, if, if it doesn't beat phoenix by at least 10 percent on average in real games this is this is a real nothing burger of a product for an oem to choose because yeah and i just want to make this clear even if you know meteor lake is let's say 15 percent faster than phoenix and in integrated mm-hmm. graphics performance all right but it costs more mm-hmm. and it's gaming cpu performance is probably not better and it doesn't really seem to have a smaller CP, like a smaller TDP requirement if you're using it heavily. So it has to basically be by itself to even make sense. Like pairing this with a graphics card and it, like if Meteor Lake's graphics underperform, you're not going to pair this with a graphics card because it costs more than pairing it with Raptor Lake or pairing it with Phoenix. Okay, so then this is now in a scenario where you want to use it with integrated graphics. Well, if it loses to Phoenix, then it's not going to be gaming-focused because Mm -hmm. 
if it is because if you try to market it for gaming, you have to put an arc sticker. And all OEMs tell me they want to avoid putting an arc sticker on their laptop like the plague. And so because if people see arc, all they know is not reviewed well. <laughs> and so that means this is a situation where Intel is going to go into or Meteor Lake would go best into laptops at like 35 watts that are expensive, but not for gaming. I mean, that's a real niche situation there, you know, is, is what I'm trying to point out. Yeah. If you're an OEM, you want to put an NVIDIA sticker if it's for gaming, or you want to be able to sell it for less if it's an AMD one, or market it really to those Ryzen, you know, RTX 4060 laptop buyers. But, you know, if you don't have a 4060 or a 7600, you're not marketing to those people. And if you, you know, okay, but then if you try to sell it by itself, it costs more. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's hard to find what they would really use it for, and it's that was really what made me make this the lead story is getting that quote from an OEM saying they plan to stock it, but not as much as the previous gen of Intel. They plan to increase AMD laptop orders. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Like that, it, it's for no one. I mean, I guess the most optimistic light you could look at at it and it is maybe it's more efficient for like light browsing tasks and stuff like that which is to be fair what a lot of people do with their laptops but that's but if you're getting used from light browsing who's spending over a thousand dollars i know that that's an argument for it being like in six hundred dollar laptops or something that's not the hottest market to advertise about like we run six hundred dollar laptops Right. And if that's what you're going to get into, Intel's already got margin problems. You don't, don't want to deal with it. And, you know, again, like, I guess the only other thing I, I'm thinking about now I could also point out is just when they say this is going to be for AI, I guess I don't want to put my foot in my mouth here because I want to see the AI benchmarks first. But I don't know. I mean, early reports don't seem to suggest it's like four times faster than Phoenix and AI. And if you're going to market these laptops that cost more than a, a Phoenix or a Hawkpoint laptop as being for AI, you'd want them to at least be like twice as fast at AI with specific uses for them. And no one's even sure what they're going to market these doing with the neural engine. The big, uh, the big uh, silicon manufacturers, uh, they do at some point need to do a better job of explaining what the average person is going to get a benefit out of having a neural engine on their uh, on their CPUs because as of right now they are just saying it's on there and you're going to like it but they don't really do a good job of explaining exactly what it's doing. Well, actually, on that note, Carbon Cry writes in and he says, "Is there a better way to satisfy the Windows 11 AI 50 tops requirement than to run your Radeon 7 as your GPU and a Vega 64, which does just above 50 tops as your AI coprocessor. I mean, I think he just came up with the best advertisement for Radeon 7 in years, Tom. Just buy a Radeon 7, uh, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if it still is pretty expensive for some mining algorithms, so <laughs> that you can use it for Windows Hello. Yes. But, um, which probably doesn't even need that much AI performance for that. But um, I, I think this brings up a good point, though, because this has came up in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord recently. Like, what's going on with AMD or Intel putting neural engines on desktop? Meteor Phoenix has had it for 
you know, half a year now, um, mm-hmm. Meteor Lake's going to have it. Hawkpoint will have 60% more AI performance than Phoenix, uh, according to the slides I leaked. Um, what, what, what's going on with desktop? Do we need to start making M.2 neural engine sticks? And Carbon Cry points out that you can get a neural engine five times the AI engine performance of Phoenix by just having an old Radeon set, <laughs> or even just Vega 64, an old... Yeah. 14 nanometer Vega 64 is five, uh, ten, five times faster than Phoenix's AI engine. Yeah, I think that's why AMD and Intel probably aren't that rush. If you have even an RTX 4060, 3060, you can probably do all these AI tests. Yeah, now the graphics card, while it's doing that, will maybe consume 50 to 150 watts. But so, like, <laughs> for how long? Like, yeah. it doesn't really matter, you know? Like, and long term that will change but right now no apps use it so for the next three or so years most uses of ai will probably be fine on a graphics card that boosts up to 100 or 200 watts for one second uh, until we're really using it heavily you know so that's also why i I don't think you see potentially zen 5 or or even just Raptor Lake 14th gen, Intel breaking a sweat that it won't have a neural engine all next year. Mm-hmm. just wanted to point that out, too. Um, all right. Feeling like you're imprisoned by ridiculous pricing on Microsoft software? About to give up on finding reasonable prices for stuff you're basically just forced to use? Well, there's no need to do that. Just go to cdkeyoffer.com during their Black Friday sale. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com and their Black Friday sale. Whether it's Microsoft operating systems, office products, or even many of the latest games, cdkeyoffer.com provides PC gamers with a product that I honestly just think this community needs to balance out all the nickeling and diming going on in PC gaming these days. And that's fair pricing on essential Microsoft operating system and office software that you just basically have to use whether you want to or not. There's no need to overpay for everything when you can save money on some of this stuff. And you know, the Moore's Law Z team has been working with cdkeyoffer.com for a long time, uh, and we still do. Whether it's me and Jesse's desktop, my girlfriend's gaming PC, or Dan's desktop, it's all powered by software we got for a reasonable price from cdkeyoffer.com. And you can join us and support the channel by using offer code BROKENSILICON to save 25% on Microsoft software, or you can use the code DIESHRINK to save 3% off everything else on the website like Steam, EA, or Ubisoft Keys. Using either of these codes helps Moore's Law is dead, and it saves you money. So support yourself and this channel by supporting cdkeyoffer.com with those offer codes today. Speaking of breaking a sweat, let's move on to some reviewers that broke a sweat over how mad they were at this next story. Um, Intel APO tested for 14th gen and denied to previous Intel generations. Uh, yet again, Intel seems poised to snatch defeat from its own jaws of victory. The APO feature, one of the few genuine upgrades brought by Raptor Lake Refresh over Raptor Lake 13th Gen, has shown its worth in hardware unbox testing, and yet Hardware Unbox was told directly by Intel that 12th and 13th Gen products will never get APO. APO is a per-game optimization improving utilization, and it's useful 
and makes usefulness of e-cores, increasing performance and lowering power usage in CPUs bound scenarios by more narrowly prioritizing the intensive tasks a game demands from the processor's various core types. Even if not always utilized, it is a nice technology. And and I say not always utilized, I believe Metro Exodus and uh, Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Siege use it right now. It's like two games, but you know, they are scenarios where you can boost performance double digits even like 20 30 percent i think he says uh, or i continue and if intel is able to improve their game support and spread the feature to future products could have proven crucial in bridging the gap between the end of hyper threading and the start of the rentable units era we will see with air like in fact this technique and others like it could be even more important for rentable unit designs considering they'll lose hyper threading and probably have to use the e-cores more in games but alas it seems doomed to get forgotten just as quickly as it was announced in the annals of history or maybe even quicker if 14th gen doesn't get any more new game support for apo so yeah, there we go. I mean, honestly, for me, I, I think that we had a reader mail where people were like, do you think APOs, you know, going to be added for a bunch more games in, in older Intel generations? I think me and you said, probably not, right? And I mean, if it got support in a bunch of games, it would become, I think, a decent feature. But uh, I mean, if it made Raptor like Refresh gain 10 to 20% performance across the board in gaming, that's a real reason to get that over discounted previous gen. Yeah, but it, it's like, uh, I mean, I think uh, Steve at Gamers Nexus in his wrap up basically just said, I can't really call this a feature at this point unless you play a lot of Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> so I, I think that's a pretty good uh, summary of what APO is. They are telling you it's going to be bigger. Hopefully it is bigger, but like, as I said in our previous segment, I don't know what to make of Intel promises anymore. Um, and I just want to be clear about this. So Intel's confirmed it's not coming to previous gen, which, to be clear, I don't know. I think I said in the live stream, maybe it's because it took a ton of per CPU optimization to even get it working well. I don't know. But mm-hmm. if it didn't, that seems like an insane waste like... I mean, what about all of this oversupply of Alder and Raptor Lake stuff that you could have given a That's true, yeah. 10-15% performance boost? I, I would almost suggest they know they couldn't have easily and consistently done that, and that's why they didn't bring it to it, because it would be incredible if they actually thought two games getting this would make people run out and buy 14th gen. I don't know, maybe they did. Uh, but additionally, um, I'm Googling Reno. I'm still not seeing other games announced. Like this isn't like DLSS or FSR where they're like forespoken, but then there are like 20 other games announced mm-hmm. to get FSR three support. I don't see, uh, I don't see anything announced for it. I mean, I don't know if they're bringing APO to any other game. I'd assume there's at least one other, but it's crazy. They haven't announced more. Like that's how you get people to buy a 14th gen CPU for extra money over a discount 13th gen, which those are on fire sale right now. Like, they go, oh, only two games have it, but the reviews show it works. And I'm seeing a dozen more games that I want to play are going to get huge performance boosts. That they haven't announced that. I mean, yeah, they and, would have if they it was going to get it right. Yeah, I, I mean, if they if they wanted this to be a good big feature and they wanted to like actually, you know, promise us something, a, a, <laughs> promise us something, and we would actually have an expectation that they're going to meet this promise. They could launch with two games, and this basically be like the here's what's to come uh because with like 20 games in the future because yeah if, if there's like 10 20 games that are popular uh that are going to get it in the next couple months 
And right now it's just only on these two. I mean, just having it on those two is more or less an an advertisement for the feature because it's still kind of in beta. But Mm -hmm. here it's just like if the extent of the feature is if you play Rainbow Six Siege a lot, you get slightly better therm you get slightly better power usage and uh slightly better well not slightly, decently better frame rates. Uh that's cool, but it's like it's not a reason to buy Raptor Lake refresh. And you're kind of ruining some goodwill that you could have bought back from your uh fan base if twelfth and thirteenth gen would have just gotten this as well. Because now it kind of seems like this is a soft way to try to get people to move from Alder Lake and Raptor Lake to Raptor Lake Refresh so they don't so they're not deprived of this glorious pizza that works on two applications. Well, you know, the funny thing is is I think a lot of people might compare this to DLSS three and say this is being cordoned off to Lovelace to try to make you buy Lovelace, but I don't know. People I talk to at NVIDIA and I and I trust these people. You know, I don't think they're just hiding this, but yet telling me all this other information I leak sometimes. Like they tell me that well, they could probably get DLSS3 officially working on Ampere and maybe Turing a little bit, that it would not run as well. Mm-hmm. And it might lose some of the clarity. Um, I don't think there's literally any reason this couldn't work on the previous gens, except that maybe it takes a ton of effort to implement. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what about Raptor Lake Refresh they've changed at a silicon level that could make it, could make it be able to work. Only thing I could think of is thread director enhancements to Raptor Lake, but I don't know if it got any of that. I, I'm just spitballing. Did they mm-hmm. do a slight? I, again, though, even then, I, I don't think. I wouldn't really buy it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems like like you said, either it's too intense it's too intense to actually get it to work on a number of different products, or it's a really stupid cynical move by Intel. Yeah. Um the final thing I will say is here, you know, one thing said in the write-up uh was that this could be forgotten in the annals of history. I will push back against myself there and say it wouldn't surprise me. If they're already doing tons of work for Arrow Lake, which I believe loses hyperthreading uh, ahead of its launch, and they want to make all games that come out on it be optimized to use the e-cores. And I want to be clear about this because, well, Raptor Lake may be better at utilizing both e-cores and p-cores for one gaming application at the architectural level. The people I've talked to at Intel don't seem to suggest to me that it's like, fix the whole issue with communication and latency penalties and these cores being used, both core cu- types being used for a game, right? Uh, like, it doesn't sound like Arrow like gets all the way there. So if they did make it work better, it would be through programming. It wouldn't surprise me if some of this trickled into Raptor Lake Refresh, but they don't want to spend the time optimizing it more than a few games. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be forgotten. It's just, it might not be talked about anymore for Arrow Lake, and they called it a special name just to try to sell Raptor Lake Refresh. But really, this is part of a major driver initiative to make Arrow Lake better at gaming because it's losing hyperthreading, or better than it would have been had they not done it after axing mm-hmm. hyperthreading. Yeah, because I don't know. Looking at this, it, it really does just feel like this is the performance. The performance you're getting from the... Uh, it just feels like what it should have initially been. Like... Power draw is so much better in certain applications. Uh, and 
uh, and you get so much better gaming performance. It's like, well, it sounds like this is just an advertisement for how bad at power delivery and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and scheduling these uh, CPUs are. Mm-hmm. Now, did, did, I thought I saw this being talked about by some people in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord. Did Gamers Nexus cover that like the E-Cores use some absurd amount of energy when using this? Um, so I didn't have the time to uh, watch the video completely, so I've only perused it. But I mean, from what I saw uh, on their charts, these power spikes in, I believe, Metro Exodus were way lower. So it was used like 100 watts less at its biggest spike. Mm-hmm. And um, it generally used like 10, 10 20% less power throughout the entire benchmark and then in rainbow six siege the overall power draw looked like it they were about the same in some scenarios uh using apo because it's not a cpu bound because it was getting to the point where it was cpu bound it's used a little bit more energy than uh non-apo at at certain points but it was about the same i would say overall well i just must have missed seeing something there um but yeah i don't know i don't think i have anything else to say about this story do you no all right well then let us move forward to story number three uh amd 8000g update uh i guess let's talk about them finally all right around half a year ago moore's law said leaked that the ryzen 8000 series that fake leakers were claiming proved zen 5 would launch at the end of 2023 this channel was saying, actually, that's just Phoenix APUs coming to AM5, according to our contacts. And recently, well, the rest of the world has seemingly finally caught on to that. And after seeing tons of your questions in the comments on YouTube, we feel we should cover it again. All right. So first thing to note is that Gigabyte has literally confirmed that these APUs are coming to AM5 by the end of January 2024. Next HKEPC on Twitter stated that there should be a 12CU 8-core 8700G based on Big Phoenix, a 4CU 6-core 8500G based on Little Phoenix, and a 4CU quad-core 8300G based on Little Phoenix as well. But there's also an 8600G, but it seemed like people weren't sure of the specs or something, so I'm not going to comment on it. And just to be clear, I guess I can't back this up, but these are the types of products they will probably launch. I haven't really asked about Phoenix APUs coming to AM5 after confirming they would around the end of this year, simply because, I mean, we know what they can be. It's just Phoenix, you know? <laughs> but anyways, that's about all there is to say, besides noting that it would be interested, interesting if they ended up using Hotpoint within these nomenclatures with some enhancements eventually. Although, who knows? Maybe AMD is actually preparing these right now so they can just dump Phoenix stock by mid-2024. And Actually saying that out loud after writing this, that's what I suspect is going on, everybody. AMD is preparing Hawkpoint. As this channel has leaked, Hawkpoint won't be like Rembrandt over Cezanne, uh, but it seems like a, overall an uplift, at least as exciting as Renoir to Cezanne in that yeah, I mean, the clock speeds are going to be a lot higher and the AI performance is going to be a lot higher than Phoenix was. And so this is a situation where the die size will be like the same and they have no reason to produce Phoenix anymore after this. And they plan to probably uh, slightly tweak Hawkpoint into Escher in the future as well. And so I really do think what's probably going on with AMD, and they probably planned this, by the way, early last year or early this year, is, oh, we're going to make as much Phoenix as we think we need. And then right when we're ramping up Hawkpoint production, which is probably right now, by the way, uh, we are going to prepare these APUs for desktop 
that are probably about the same performance on desktop. If you push it to 100 watts on laptop, they would be worse. And this is we're going to dump extra Phoenix stock. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what do you think about this, Dan? And actually, a question I want to ask you is what performance, uh, or not performance, but what price levels do you think the 12CU 8-core, maybe a 12CU 6-core, and the 4CU 6-core and 4CU quad-core need to be to really be interesting in the existing lineup? I, I would say I think the twelve, the eight core, twelve uh, CU, would probably make sense at what four hundred or so dollars. That would ostensibly saying this is basically a seventy seven hundred with a one hundred dollar GPU uh, stapled onto it, mm-hmm. which I, th- I think is about the right price for that. If they did something crazy and sold it for like three fifty or three seventy or something, that would be awesome. But I wouldn't expect that. The 8600, so six core, four CU is kind of a weird product because I don't know. I don't know. You mean 8500, the four CU six core? Yeah, sorry. The, uh, the six core, so the six core four CU one is confusing to me because that's not really that mm-hmm. many more uh, CUs than you get with the uh, 77, I mean 7600 at $200. So for that, an interesting price point would just be the same price as the 7700 <laughs> and they stopped selling the 7700 mm-hmm. and then the 8300 i would say like 120 maybe 130 mm-hmm. yeah i think what did i write down here because i actually hid it from you so you couldn't be influenced so i couldn't but, copy because <laughs> you can't copy my information Ugh. um I wrote down ahead of time that I think the 12 compute unit, so this would be, you know, I mean, the performance of a 1650 uh, about with an eight core that's probably as strong as a 7700, maybe a little weaker than a 7700, mm-hmm. but as an AI engine in it, maybe you can use. I don't, I don't know if they would disable that on desktop, but if you don't, maybe that could be something in the future. Personally, I think this should, to make any sense, I think it should be like 330 at most. Now, hear me okay. out. I'm not saying they will do that. Uh, what did they do? I mean, I, I can, if only I had access to the internet, what was it? The 5750G MSRP. I mean, didn't they charge like something silly for that? For my, oh, that's not a bad comparison, though. I think they charged, uh, well, there's a pro one that's the 5750. Cause I remember these things launching for like $370, but why did they think they could uh, get away with that? It's because. You know, AMD was charging at the same time like four hundred dollars for fifty eight hundred X. So it doesn't really seem like Intel is going to have something good to compete with that. You know, so I think uh, that's what they might do. But for it to be interesting, the seventy seven hundred X sells for three hundred dollars right now. So if you make this three thirty ten dollars, you know, thirty dollars more, ten percent more, you're you're getting the sixteen fifty with it. Otherwise, I don't see the point because I think the seventy seven hundred X will clock faster like so yeah that's true. if you're only using it for a CP and it has less pcie lanes so you're compromising here and, and to really make a huge difference i actually think the 12 cu 8 core phoenix apus the 8700g needs to be the same price as the 7700x like it's like you lose pcie lanes it's five ten percent weaker at cpu performance but you gain a 1650 that would be well, like a I mean, huge deal, though, because you could have that as a starter CPU. Still has enough lanes to add an SSD and stuff and upgrade in the future. But I could see them charging a little more. And everything below that, it becomes more and more about, well, they just need to charge less. Like, 
I mean, if we're going to be honest, the quad core needs to be 120 to really be interesting next to $90 alter like quad cores. I mean, I, I mean, the four CUs could run games, but I, I bet they're as good as I bet they're as good as like Renoir integrated graphics at best if you really push the clocks. They're not going to do any more than that. And that's old, old graphics performance. So I think all the rest of the Phoenix dumped stuff has to be about finally AMD offering you four or six cores for a cheap price below 150. That's what they really need to be about. Because like you say, four CUs, yeah, I mean, it's better than the 7600X or something, but it's like probably still not as quite as good as like Saison integrated graphics or certainly not better. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I see your argument. I do find... I, I, I always find the way how you price something like this really difficult to like difficult to manage because to some extent and I, I know this like product this package doesn't exist. I'm not saying that this is a thing they could could put out easily, but like the ideal thing I think you would want is like the four and six cores have twelve compute units because then you could really build mm-hmm. uh, you could really build like a a truly like a $400 like mini ITX thing or $500 mm-hmm. mini ITX that actually does serviceable gaming performance. And you're not wasting money uh, with the overpowered CPU uh, with the, the CPU side being overpowered. Yeah. It's just, that's important for a mini PC. That would be more of an argument for like, can we get a Z? Well, no, now that is, they, they still put eight cores in the ROG handheld actually but like <laughs> i mean i think you also have to remember that a lot of people buy these and then they get a graphics card and then they'll they want to upgrade to zen 6 or something on am5 and i think that's an interesting upgrade path where it's like hey i'm starting with something that can do 1080p gaming 60 and then if i save up some money here and there's a sale oh look now the 30 60 12 gigabytes 200 dollars in 2024 boom i just boosted my performance and they wait upgrade to zen 5x 3d or something and they never had to switch motherboards or remove everything from their pc yeah and that's an interesting upgrade path and if that's the primary buyer of this then yeah it pro- the 70s the 8700g probably couldn't cost much more than a 7700 um, because there, there's just not that much you're getting out of it versus just, versus the 7700. And I don't know. I, I think that's a very, very niche type of person. I don't think many of them exist. And I always think when you're talking about upgrade paths, you realistically do need to say to yourself, am I actually going to do the whole upgrade thing I plan on doing, or am I just going to end up using the this thing until i need to get a new motherboard or something because Mm -hmm. i i think the idea that people are gonna keep upgrading their c uh pc or upgrading things that are in their motherboard like other than their graphics card i i just don't think happens as often as people act like Mm -hmm. no and i agree and so i guess the final thing i would suggest though this is called ryzen uh 8000g and to be fair in the wrap-up we have a flyer that shows ryzen 9000 so there's a total realistic totally realistic chance and probably what a lot of people expected i certainly wouldn't have ever told you this would surprise me 8000g remains actually you know 8000 8000 might remain hawk point 
and Ryzen 8000 APUs on desktop, and they're going to save 9000, not just for Zen 5, but so they can say Zen 5 Strix is Ryzen 9000. Actually, now that I say that out loud, I don't, I bet money. That's what's about to happen here. Is there calling the 8000G APUs 8000, not just for them, but for Hawkpoint, and then half a year later, they're going to say Ryzen 9000 is uh, Strix, and the desktop ones will already be out. You know, So I think that's what they're going to do. And even with that name, though, I wonder if they're going to just discontinue Zen 4 for the most part on desktop. We do have to wonder, like, would they put, like, the 8-core phoenix with 12 cus at 250 so they can still sell a six core zen 5 for 300 above it or something that's one thing that i would also consider throwing out there that they might be preparing to do with these because Mm -hmm. zen 5 ccds are bigger so if you have like a 90 ish let's say four millimeter yeah four nan i mean four nanometers zen 5 ccd with the same io die trying to compare that to like the five plus uh six nanometer of zen four i think yeah it'd probably be cheaper to sell phoenix closer to like 250 but i will say if you go below 200 i actually don't think phoenix is any cheaper to make even monolithic mm-hmm. because it's all four nanometer silicon than uh even without the pack because without the packaging cost compared to zen four does that make sense i yeah. kind of stumbled through saying that <laughs> yes that uh, makes sense uh, any other thoughts on uh, this story? No, I don't think so. Uh, six nanometer Steam Deck OLED announced and released on November 16th. Quoting Valve and some other write-ups here from The Verge, this month Valve announced that they will be launching a new OLED model that utilizes a six nanometer variant of the existing silicon being sold in the Steam Deck. Not for any notable performance increases, though, but to, like the PlayStation 5 Slim, reduce costs and power consumption at existing performance levels. In fact, Valve stated that it's important to us, quoting them, that the deck offers a fixed performance target for developers and that the message to consumers is simple, where every deck can play the same games and they don't need to worry about what they buy going obsolete in a year. We also don't want more performance to come at a significant cost of power efficiency and battery life. And so I don't anticipate such a leap to be possible in the next couple of years, but we're still closely monitoring innovations in architectures and fabrication processes to see where things are going there. Valve sees the Steam Deck then more as a console, which shouldn't surprise you. And it also shouldn't surprise you that they would call something that they're calling a console like a console, but because also the Steam Machines project was also a attempt to console a Fi PC. And otherwise, what else is there to say? With their competitors, uh, well, their competitors may continue to launch Phoenix and soon Hawkpoint and Strixpoint-based handheld devices with clear performance advantages over the Steam Deck 1.0. The Steam Deck is seen as a console by Valve. And what they're going to do then until they have a massive leap, just like what Sony would do, is cost-optimize the internals and add new minor features like an OLED screen. Doing so, Valve follows the footsteps of every other handheld handheld console manufacturer and definitely will not be following up anytime soon with a major redesign after the launch, just like what Nintendo did with the Switch. And uh, a, a sidebar, I will say doing research for this, I didn't realize the Steam Deck's only a year and a half old. Somehow it yeah. feels like it's been out for longer than that, but I don't know. What did you think about this? They both launched a six nanometer variant that does seem to use less energy and maybe have 5% higher performance. And in addition to that, they've pretty clearly said no new Steam Deck for some people are saying more, but I'd say they're saying for at least two years. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it depends on your philosophy on it. I, I think this the 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 handheld uh, PC thing is it's very. I think it's very hard to thread the needle of like what it, it exactly should go in there because it you want something that lasts for has a long battery life for gaming well it's not well it's not charging so you can really only use apus and i just don't think the apus are quite there where Mm -hmm. you can have a handheld device that does good gaming performance with longevity um so i mean i think the steam deck is going to be feel pretty long in the tooth by a year Mm -hmm. and a half from now uh so 2025 might work like whatever if amd is following up like strix with whatever they have next uh, Mm. that might be perfect for them zen 6 and rdna 5 yeah uh that might be perfect for them uh, assuming like the lower power variants don't use too much energy um because i i I get what they're saying they don't want to just put out a new product every year that makes sense it's not going to be significantly stronger but um I don't know. The Steam Deck is already feeling a little weak, <laughs> and it's going to keep feeling weaker. So, mm. and, and that's just the weird thing about these handhelds is, well, they're going to age rapidly because they're using the weakest things on the market that can still run games. Uh, but, you know, I think the Steam Deck does seem to be one of the best, still seems to be the best one on the market right now. And this is just playing into the things that it does well. Uh, run games for longer than the other ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, which, you know, I've seen people claim, oh, well, the ROG is a lot stronger. It's like, oh, no, I, not really. I it mean, not really. It is if you squint at it. Like, <laughs> it really like, needs to consume 55 watts and then it's not portable. Yeah, I know. It, the the ROG one is just, the ROG I just really missed. It's like only in this exact connect scenario where you're already connected to a wall. It, mm-hmm. Is it, decently stronger than the steam deck and it's just that's not a convincing reason to buy it over the steam deck yeah i mean i guess you know now that i'm thinking about this uh so the steam deck's been out a year and a half they've already launched the oled model the switch didn't launch its oled model until like what three four years after it was out i mean yeah i would still suggest valve's gonna look at a more aggressive release cadence than nintendo does and i would guess that's going to be a three and a half to five year cadence not like a like a four to six year like i think they're, they're gonna and if you think about what would be out around then so it's been out a year and a half it's late 2023 so add three years or two and a half years so it's exactly five years old huh that would be early 2026 i've already leaked that zen 6 is meant to launch on desktop or at least server at the end of 2025 meaning their APUs will be ready early 2026. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that's probably what they're targeting, especially because what do they have now? They have like eight CU, um, RDNA two, and I guess right now if they had a custom variant, this the Phoenix one isn't really good enough. It's really meant to be weaker than that. The four CU one. Um, who know? I think maybe their Kraken might be something that's like eight or twelve CU, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing two big cores and six. Well, they're all big cores, but two non-C and six C cores for Kraken in 2025. And so I'd assume there's some follow-up to Kraken in 2026. That's probably Zen six with like 16 compute units of RDNA 
five. And that would get you something one, two, at least five, I think five, at least five times stronger. Double the compute units, a couple new levels of architecture upgrades. So, and I think that would be something where you'd be going from a bit better than PS4 base performance in a handheld to like kind of PS5 performance in a handheld. And at that level, that's a whole new ball game of what games this can run well. They could probably firmly market it for 60 hertz, uh, 1080 or even 1440p at like yeah. low settings or 1080p. Yeah, I'd say I'd, so that's I'm I'm pretty dang confident that's what they're waiting for, everybody. Early 20, early to late 2026, but something that's I had to guess, you know. 16 to 24, maybe 30, you know, who knows how small compute units will get by then. You have to remember RDNA 5 compute units, that's what I would think. So that they can match PS5 performance like they, or be close enough, just like they basically match PS4 performance with some bonuses with the uh, original Steam Deck. Yeah. I I mean, I I think Valve's strategy so far has made sense. There wasn't really a reason to go with Phoenix over what they already have and make a new Steam Deck with it. It's not stronger enough and Mm -hmm. and i assume talk point is going to be the same thing story so the first uh apu that i think they would even consider upgrading to is uh kraken oh yeah kraken not strix point yeah Mm -hmm. it is kraken and i i think there's a case to be made but if they want to have long platform support eh, that's fine if they think that they can make the the steam deck uh last another year playing pc games which maybe it can and then a year or a year and a half after that they come out and they really deliver something impressive with the steam deck too Mm -hmm. yeah well it's that time of year again the time of costumes family friends and of course also eating lots of unhealthy candy and food it's also simultaneously usually when most people are crunching to finish up the work they need to for the year before the holidays and while you're crunching that usually means you're also likely to eat other unhealthy foods in between those bouts of eating unhealthy food with family and friends. Well, that's of course unless you eat Vite Ramen. This piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, including new flavors like Radiant Crab Roux, and also their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break that's sometimes away from home. Or they also have other healthy products like their Nano Boost Powder that makes any food at least a little healthy. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off a variety of products from Vite Ramen, like special bundles for Moore's Law's Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes with their noodles, and other food products, powders, and utensils, and more. They really are a plucky small startup that has been really good to Moore's Law is Dead for years now, and I also genuinely like their product. So if you want to support Moore's Law is Dead, try Vite Ramen, and you know, just clicking on that link in the description really helps a ton, but buying their product and using the off Broken Silicon, of course, helps the channel even more. Try Vite Ramen today. Uh, let us move on to story number five. R750-700X30 and R550-500X30 
allegedly being readied. Quoting here from video cards. As per information from Chilladog on Twitter, AMD is reportedly in the process of developing at least two additional CPUs in the Ryzen 5000 X3D series. The two CPUs are the 5700X3D and 5500X3D, supposedly with clocks 300 to 400 megahertz lower than their already launched counterparts. The size of the launch is uncertain as very little information has been leaked so far, but this would make sense. As AMD extends the lifetime of their Milan server parts, they would have more extra, you know, less efficient yields of Zen 3. And it makes sense they'd want to keep selling them into gamers and to keep up in performance. Having them have X3D on them and focusing on that is probably a smart thing to do. Uh, that means that either they will have a large... Yeah, th- yeah I already explained that there in the rest of the write-up. <laughs> so it makes sense to re- release it. And also, I think it should be pointed out that right now the 5700, uh, 56 100 X3D is Micro Center exclusive. So in some ways, I would argue the 5500 X3D is a way for them to sell 6-core X3D to the worldwide market outside of Micro Center. Um, any oh, thoughts on this, Dan? Um, I mean, I think the X3D things are great uh, that they keep making them. Uh, Zen 3 is still very much a viable, uh, a viable uh, generation of Z- CPUs to game on. There's no reason you need to get the newest one if generation if you're trying to save money. Sure, if you want eight core performance and you don't want to spend the money to get a 7800X3D, uh, yeah, or even the 5800X3D and you want to save, I don't know, I would expect at least another 50 or $70 off of that. Yeah, sure, get the 5700X3D, assuming it gets a wide launch and isn't some other weird micro center exclusive deal. Yeah, I guess the only thing I really want to look up to be a completionist on this story is how much are AM4 motherboards selling for now? Because it's just so funny to go to like Newegg or Amazon CPU bestsellers and it's dominated by Zen 3. And I remember when Alder Lake came out uh, and even into Raptor, like people would say, what is AMD going to do? I know it's Zen 4. It was mostly Zen 4. When Zen 4 came out, people said, well, Zen 4 doesn't support DDR4. How's AMD going to get people to buy Ryzen when Raptor Lake supports both DDR5 and DDR4? My answer continued to be, they will buy Zen 3 for less. <laughs> yeah, and, and Like, if you're on a budget, you're going to be on a budget want to save even more. And Zen 3 is more than enough for gaming. Yeah, 120 it's, hertz. It, it's like, when I say the 7800X3D is the CPU to get, what I mean is, if you're not, if you're sparing no expense, like you, you, you're, you want to spend up to like even three grand on it. There's no point to get something more expensive if this is a primarily gaming CPU. I mean, mm-hmm. system. So get a 7800X3D. Then there's a bunch of older CPUs below that that I would recommend, or cur- or same gen CPUs below that that you can get that are going to get you pretty damn close to the same performance in most contexts if you're playing above 1080p so Mm -hmm. really like a 5700x3d is not going to get you the exact same experience as a 7800x3d in gaming but it's going to get you close enough that if they sell it for like i don't know 300 bucks or or i don't know what i would even expect out of them at this point like 350 bucks that would be probably pretty good yeah, and just to make things clear about what's going on uh, right now with pricing, like I haven't looked that much. It was well, you were talking there, but the B550M 
So is this, yes, it has PCIe 4.0, which I would definitely want in any motherboard I buy at this point. Um, it's $75. I mean, it's a, it's a Black Friday sale product. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's an argument that this isn't always there, but I mean, I assume this will be here to stay. I, I don't, I don't see this type of thing going up in price rapidly next year. So for 75 bucks, you can get a PCIe Gen 4 motherboard, and then you can hopefully soon get, you know, like a, I mean, I mean, I I, I misspoke at the 5700 X30 should be 250, not 350. I didn't even hear what you said. (laughs) Yeah, you should correct yourself for everybody else in the comments for sure. Yeah, $250, what I think would be probably fair for this 5700 X3D. I, I don't know. It could even fall even to 200. Cheaper, yeah, it could be 200. <laughs> Who knows? Well, so I think here's the important thing to point out, too. If you're really going for a budget build, the 5600 X3D is 230 right now at Micro Center, and it comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a situation where next year AMD may have a six core X3D Zen 3 processor for like, 200 or something and then you can get a 75 dollars motherboard and maybe if you're at micro center it'll come with ram and i mean you're looking at a situation here where you can get remember zen 3 with x3d games about as well as weaker raptor like products you're looking at something that games as well as at least an alder lake i5 while using less energy and the motherboard was 75 bucks and maybe came with ram or something so yeah i mean this this is gonna keep this as a mega budget platform for a very long time I think. yeah i mean if amd keeps releasing <laughs> new zen 3 SKUs, people are going to keep buying them because zen 3 is really all you need like if you're trying to spend less than a thousand bucks on a build uh stuff like this is the way to go all right let us then and you may have heard me crack something open again today is literally my birthday and like all 30 year olds all people in their mid 30s when you have a birthday you just keep working because it's really not that interesting anymore that you're getting older but i do want to have a beer (laughs) spilled all over me while we're recording today and actually since this is an nvidia story I'm going to put a green birthday hat on that will undoubtedly fall off of me. But here we go with story. Uh, let me write it down. This was a giant mistake, everybody. With story <laughs> number six, comprehensive NVIDIA 40 Super and RTX 5000 release date details leaked. NVIDIA is facing a difficult period on many fronts. Hit by pending export bans and the associated supply chain reshuffle in Asia and expectations for softening of AI demand on top of already difficult balancing of AI, gaming and professional supply and demand and super is planned to super is being planned to kickstart their gaming demand next year. And hopefully from NVIDIA's perspective to rid themselves of that pesky Navi 31 for good. In summary, as comprehensively leaked by this channel, super is intended to be announced just before or at CES with launches staggered by the weeks after it to maximize media impact. So in other words, let's say if in mid-January, and I'm not sure of the exact date, but if in mid-January the 4080 Super launches, I would expect a couple days or a week later you see the 4070 Ti Super and so on and so forth. 
Lovelace is expected to gain a ton of promotion from the media with these new revisions. And the first one that we will talk about is the 4080 Super 16 gigabyte. It's meant to, as quoted by this channel, <laughs> take on the 7900 XTX head-on with better the, with the best 8103 yields, blazing fast 24 gigabit per second memory, and all of this should get it a 6 to 9% improvement in performance over the existing 4080 while landing at a 999 price point. And then below that, the 4070 Ti Super with 16 gigabytes of VRAM will be using the worst yields of 8103, at least so far sold to gamers that have been stockpiled this whole time. And it's meant to kill the 7900 XT. And do note that up until now, oh, there goes the uh, birthday hat. I will not be picking it up as I regretted putting it on the second I did. <laughs> um, remember, up until now, I don't believe there's any professional like RTX 5000, 4000, 8103 product. So they haven't been using this there. The only yields that I, to my memory, they are using of 8103 and laptop right now is the same CUDA core count as the 4080 for the 4090 laptop. So, and that's barely cut down. So presumably they've got a ton of cut down 8103 stockpiled. And that's the model they're probably going to sell for 799 to 849. And yeah, that should bring 14 to 22% higher performance over the 4070 Ti. And that should be at the same exact price point. Then the 40 or close. And then the 4070 Super 12 gigabyte should be, I don't know, three to 6% weaker than the 4070 Ti. Uh, well, going head to head with the 7900 Golden Rabbit Edition directly. And I think this 4070 Super 12 gigabyte, which let's be clear, is probably something that's just going to be a glorified 4070 Ti. It might drop in at 600 to 650, and it should play pretty well there, I think. Um, all of these leave little space for the 4080 and the 4070 Ti, therefore. And indeed, there are already reports surfacing while we were recording, Dan, that production of the 4080 and 4070 Ti has stopped already. As for Mobile Super, well, instead, it was just leaked on Twitter by this channel that NVIDIA will already present Blackwell laptops at CES in 2025. So think about what that means, everybody. Uh, if they're presenting Blackwell wet laptops at the beginning of 2025, that would suggest that they're probably launching Blackwell desktops at the end of next year as well. Uh, and if not, at least in quarter one or something. And up until then, Apparently, there's no super cards planned for a laptop, and NVIDIA doesn't think it's needed. Anyways, final thing to say, is this Radeon's Armageddon? Eh, not necessarily. Uh, NVIDIA is still likely to focus on AI heavily and only move with heavy volume into desktop with the Super Series um, if AI falls apart. And even then, I mean, you could see AMD dropping the 7900 XTX to 900 or 850 officially. And I mean, I guess this is where I'll throw it over to you, Dan. You know, Seems pretty impressive, right? I mean, the 4080 Super is like a 30% price performance increase over the 4080. It's $200 less than the 4080, probably about 8% stronger. The 4070 Ti Super is going to probably be about, I don't know, 10 to 15% weaker than the, well, probably 20% weaker than the 4080 Super, but now $800, uh, which is technically below the MSRP of the 7900 XT, although in de facto, it's actually probably still going to cost more. And the 4070 Super is basically bringing 4070 Ti performance down to $600. Do you think if AMD drops the 7900 XTX to like 900 or certainly 850, they really have anything to worry about? Um, I think at 40, the 4080 out of 1,000, or 4080 Super out of 1,000, 7900 XTX at 900, 
uh, it becomes more dealer's choice which one you buy. And I think at 850, it's the 7900 XTX is still probably the card to get. But I mean, the 4080 Super at $1,000 makes the market a lot more interesting either way, <laughs> no matter how AMD responds to it. And I mean, I think that's basically the answer I would give for all three of these cards. They're effectively just mo- they're effectively just moving the tiers of performance they launched with down a hundred to two hundred dollars across the, the the stack uh, that they're releasing this in, which is good. It makes AMD have to actually respond and be on their toes a little bit. I mean, I think the street prices for what all of the stuff their stuff is selling for right now is still more or less what it should be. Maybe acts like. off of that and you have AMD still edging out in price performance. But I mean, I think this will, depending on exactly where they fall, bring some of these will be close to AMD in line with AMD's price performance with what they're going to be competing against, which is really good. Mm -hmm. Well, it depends what you're talking about, because in raster, um, I believe I just saw in a recent head to head from hardware and box looking back at you know rdna3 versus lovelace performance this holiday season that the 7900 xdx still beats the 4080 and raster i think on average by like five to seven percent so if you think about it the 4080 super in raster is probably just going to tie the 7900 xdx Mm -hmm. so at the same price i think people would trade vram for nvidia dlss but if amd made it 850 I think I'd take 50% more RAM for 150 less. And so AMD is not really in the worst spot here. Uh, And in fact, on that note, I would say uh, that means I think at $800, the 4070 Ti Super 16 gigabyte, what a mouthful of a name. Uh, I think that one will probably sell well, though, because you're getting 16 gigabytes to $800. And this is something that should perform a hair faster than a 3090 Ti. You know, even compared to the 20 gigabyte, well, now it's 20 gigabytes, not 24. If you compare the 4070 Ti Super 16 gigabyte to the 7900 XT 20 gigabyte. Um, and I, it'll probably kind of, it probably beat it a bit 40, in performance. But 40, I think the 4080 Super still isn't a guarantee to be a, a win. Uh, I I think the 4080 Super would sell well. Uh, I, I ultimately don't know which I would recommend over the 70, that or the 7900 XTX. Until I see it and how AMD will respond, I, I think it's hard to say. Um, I, I, I think if, if the XTX is lean, going into like 850 territory, I think it still definitely goes to the F, XTX. 900, it's harder to tell. I mean, with the 4070 Ti Super, God, that's going to... If that, that's accurate, 14 to 22%, that means that the 40, that the 70 Ti Super will probably edge out against the 7900 XT and Raster, I think. And mm-hmm. I think so, so probably by like five to 10 ish percent or something. So if it's selling for $50 more, if it's priced at 800 uh, and the 7900 XT is selling for 750, I would definitely go with the 4070 Ti Super for in, in that battle. If it's 850, well, now we're getting into it, this is more of a direct competitor with the XTX. And mm-hmm. then you have to say, well, would I just go with the XTX in that, at that point? Uh, which I probably would. And then the 70 Super, 4070 Super. Um, 
that's kind of in an awkward place where the 4070 Super, that, that level of performance doesn't really have a clear competitor on the market. Uh, I guess in China it would with the GRE. Yeah, I guess its closest guess. competitor is the 7800 XT, which if it's only $100 more. It's 20% more price than for, I mean, 15% more performance. Yeah. So that's a debatable. Uh, less RAM yeah, still. Yeah, less RAM still. You get DLSS. I, I don't know who you would go with with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's remember, this is our thoughts on what we would recommend. I think I would easily recommend for 850 over the 4080 Super at 1,000. Yeah, I'd say 50% more RAM, same raster, worse ray tracing, but it's cheaper and you have 50% more RAM. Yeah, duh, I, I'm recommending this. That's what I would do. What we don't know is what other people will do. And I think me and you are probably then in agreement, though, that like at 800 and 700, AMD has nothing to worry about. The 7900 XT for 700 is better than the 4080 Ti, 47DTI Super for 800. And it, especially because the XTX would be the same price. But, you know, I put out that video that suggested that it seems pretty consistent that AMD takes a ton of market share when they have something 30% better. I don't know. When you look at like the 4070 Super compared to the 7800 XT, that's like, 20% more for 20% more, but less RAM. Based on my the my observation of what sells well, I would think that would out start outside the 7800 XT. And let's remember, this would go hand in hand. I leaked this too, everybody. The 4070 um, is probably going to get an official price drop. And if that, it's already drifting down to 520. If that, you know, it's probably going to be 550 is the official MSRP, but that would mean the non-official prices might grow towards 500. And it's already picking up in sales. I think that's where NVIDIA starts matching 7800 XT sales. The 4070 is the same price because people want a 30% better AMD to buy it usually. Not saying that's fair. Not saying I agree with that. But that is where they would be easily getting to where they're making up for AMD's advantages, at least mm-hmm. in the eyes of the market, right? Yeah. Um, Dark Helmet writes in and says, can you shed any light on the 7900 XT and XTX sales at Micro Center, the closest of the four near me, sorry folks, seems to be consistently running low. And then I see a 7900 XT at $1,000. Are these things just flying off the shelves? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this is such a, a weird thing. Um, I, I'll have to put in a timestamp uh, here to show this on screen as well. But AMD reported in their earnings that like semi-custom sales are down. But I would guess that's because Xbox sales are kind of falling apart and PlayStation sales are slightly down compared to before. And yet their revenue is almost even. And they said that's because of increased Radeon sales. So this holiday season, Radeon is selling well. Uh, And it's because NVIDIA isn't really competing very well in the high end. But they could change that pretty quickly and we'll just have to see. Yeah, despite what... The Steam survey seems to say. The Steam survey is inaccurate. How many times do we have to say that? (laughs) All evidence seems to point to AMD is selling a lot of graphics cards. Right. And to be clear, though, I'm not saying they're selling more than NVIDIA. And -hmm. in fact, you can see NVIDIA's, you know, selling a boatload of discount 3060s right now. So it's just in the high end, it's pretty clear AMD is doing better right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Crass writes in and he says, you've talked in recent podcasts about the AI market softening. 
Well, I did a survey of a few enterprise sales and server sales sites, and I think it's not only softening, it's happening rapidly. I'm finding not only do most of these sites have H100 in stock all of a sudden, it is at, and sometimes below MSRP already, about 30,000 for an H180 gigabyte. I can order a server now from a number of vendors and put eight GPUs in it. These companies seem to have enough. I think it's at least something of a hint of a return to sanity. Um, and you're talking about Hopper, not the AI market in general. The NVIDIA AI market is softening when mm-hmm. MI300's launching and all these other things. So, yeah, I mean, this just backs up what I've been hearing. And to put it this way, like the way some of my contacts put it even months ago, they said at the beginning of this year, I guess quarter two, H100 had like 12 month or something lead times. Like if you were a company and you're like, we want H100, you'd have, they'd say, all right, you'll get it in 12 months. Uh, and uh, it got to the point where people were buying HP servers, throwing away the server or selling it on eBay for a tenth the price just to get rid of it, and then taking the H100s out of it. <laughs> and then, I'd say about four months ago, it became six-month lead times. And then three months ago, it became almost not a lead time. They could just give it to you. And now you're seeing it drop below MSRP on some websites. Yeah, I think, you know, NVIDIA laundered is the way I put it. They're mining oversupply into the AI basket and now that's falling apart and what are we seeing H100's below MSRP and 30 60 12 gigabytes for 250 so it's happening you know and we're just gonna have to see how Nvidia plays it's not to say Nvidia's doomed or in tons of trouble but they're gonna have to find something to do and that's why they're preparing super yeah they certainly do seem to just uh have a giant oversupply of their stuff every generation it's Odd that they're not picking up on it at this point. <laughs> but the people more people aren't picking up on this. That's yeah. been like three years of them finding a way to hide the oversupply. <laughs> yeah. Um QH Freddy writes in, what kind of costs are AIB partners in NVIDIA incurring when they move GPU production and assembly for 4090s out of mainland China? So this was something I covered as well in one of my I think in this leak, that something that's going on is uh, the 4090, if, if people look a few months ago, Dan, I'm sure you'll remember this, 4090s were already dropping below MSRP, but then the AI boom kept going, and they kind of stabilized at MSRP, and then NVIDIA was banned from selling 4090s into China, and boom, things go above MSRP. Of course, I put out a video warning people this would happen. And then all AIB said, oh, well, the ban goes into effect in uh, on November 16th or, or 17th, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. It's already happened now. Um, and they said, well, if the ban isn't in effect yet, we have one month to ship all of our 4090s to China and sell them at an inflated price. And they did. And from what I've heard, what I recently leaked was that they've already made enough money in their accounting from 4090 sales that they they don't need to worry about trying to fight over each other to order them there is something of a tactic here by the way just so everybody knows that companies where and and i know because i've seen it firsthand as a sales engineer like if you've made if you've exceeded not just met exceeded your sales projections you then are okay and maybe even try to have some of your sales slip into the next quarter if you can make that seem like it's constantly mm-hmm. going up every quarter. I mean, I'm someone who's done this. So, And it's not to say that there's anything nefarious or bad going on there. It's just if you're an a- AIB in this example and you're like, well, we've sold as many 4090s as we need to, 
you know, from what I've heard, 4090s are, what did I want to say? All exports, like right now, you can make 4090s in China and ship them out of China to the US. But I think it was like in 2025, you can't even do that anymore. So if you're an AIB and you're like, we made enough money by selling 4090s now for this quarter. And we know in a year or two, we can't make any of this stuff in China, even for sale to like Europe. Let's spend this quarter moving our production lines into Taiwan. Right. So that's what's going yeah. on. Sorry for that long-winded explanation of QH Freddy's question where it's coming from, but he says, What kind of costs um are they going to incur moving them out of mainland China? Honestly, right now, the biggest downside is just you can't make them for a while. Um, especially with EVGA getting out of the market. Like I I've heard they they might have some stuff there in Taiwan people are looking to buy. So I, I think the biggest downside normally would just be you can't make 4090s. Um uh, because of how much extra profit was made selling these into China this quarter at inflated prices. And so that's why they're doing it now, because any other time it would cost them a lot of money because they can't make the cards they want to sell. But now they don't have the cards to sell, and that's why they're moving them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would assume the other costs would primarily be logistical. I don't know how one-to-one the lines, like how easily you can retool one line to make to start manufacturing mm-hmm. a, a different product on a different line because some things it's like, well, no, you can really only make this one thing using this production line. Like mm-hmm. uh, a joke I saw from a, when I like went on a craft brewery tour is it's like, well, really there's like the same, like 20 production lines uh, that just keep moving around the country <laughs> because mm-hmm. those are the only production lines that are tooled well to like filling beer cans or something. <laughs> well, so, Moving that might be, they might have to move it and that might be expensive or they might have to, you know, spend millions of dollars coming up with some other production line somewhere in Taiwan or something. Well, you know, and when I worked in the automotive industry, um, there, you know, plastics used for a lot of parts, of course. And there was like, I think some resin or something like five. I mean, I don't even remember at this point how long ago it was. I remember if it was three, six or nine years ago or something, but like, uh, some factory somewhere, I believe, in uh, I don't know if it was, it was in Europe, I think, exploded. And this was actually a resin that, like, all companies that made this type of plastic, only like two factories on Earth made them. And then there was just this giant shortage. No, not only two places make this part, only two places make this one chemical that's used in making this part that all these other people need mm-hmm. or something, you know? And so I don't know. I would assume, though, there's a lot of that in Taiwan as well, though. And as long yeah, as they have true. access to the silicon, and, and before the strub, substrate a year goes, the issue, I, I'd assume they're fine. Um, all right. Now let us move on to the final story of this episode with story number seven, RDNA 4 performance and pricing update. In the last Broken Silicon guest episode with Brian from Tech Yes City, check it out, everybody, we leaked performance estimates and price targets for the current, uh, for what we expect out of RDNA 4. Currently, those being that it should perform above a 7900 XT and with pricing expected to hit mid-range levels, that is to say, and I've had it confirmed to be further since that episode came out, between $400 and $600. If I had to guess the die for this product, a Four to $600 graphics card that beats the 7900 XT, from what I'm hearing, by the way, could be around a 4080 as well, or better. It's probably between 250 to 350 millimeters squared of uh, TSMC 4 nanometer silicon. And 
I think that that's not that crazy at all for beating the 7900 XT. See, a lot of people look at the 7900 XT, or I, I'm told it could even match or beat the 7900 XTX, by the way, and they go, well, that's 300 millimeters squared of 5 nanometer, and I think it's like, what, like uh, 1, 2... Like 210, 220 millimeters squared of six nanometer silicon. Like, how could you possibly make something between 250 to 350 millimeters squared that matches that? And you have to remember, you know, first of all, the barrier of beating the 7900 XT, that's pretty heavily cut down. So even clearing that bar at around 300 millimeters squared wouldn't be crazy. But then on top of that, you have to remember that moving to a monolithic die removes a lot of penalties and wasted extra silicon for using chiplets. Like if instead of doing 300 plus 220, it's all monolithic. I think I've seen estimates that it would be something like just below 500 or even around 450 or less millimeter squared of silicon. Right, so now we're already pretty much in the ballpark, right? We're getting close to the ballpark of what I've suggested already. And you have to remember, with faster GDDR, you can use a 256-bit bus instead of a 320 or two or 384-bit bus. Mm-hmm. That right there can remove another like 50 to 90 millimeter squared of silicon at a certain point. Uh, and then once you remove all of that, you're going from 5 nanometer to 4 nanometer. There's more efficiency gains there. And it's actually entirely believable that AMD can make something 300 millimeter squared, 256-bit. I'm just half-guessing here, estimating here. Uh, that performs at like Navi 31. Um, in fact, to make an exact comparison from the past, remember that the 5700 XT competed with the Radeon 7 that it basically replaced, and the die-si differential is actually pretty close to what I just described. So <laughs> AMD's done this before. Uh, you know, I talked to people in the YouTube comments, like, how could AMD make a... And again, it might even be 7900 XTX, but like 7900 XT with like two-thirds the silicon or something, and it's like better silicon that have better yields with faster memory that requires a smaller bus. They do this every other generation or something. So, or every generation really. So yeah, I mean, I think that's what RDNA four is going to be people between a 7,900 XT and a 4080 super. So somewhere around there for 400 to $600. And yeah, I think it probably will have ray tracing just below Lovelace though. Uh, uh, relatively speaking, that's the only other thing I would say, which also means, by the way, if it loses in ray tracing to Lovelace, yeah, you would hope the die would be smaller for the same raster performance then, right? I mean, all right. Anyways, what did you think about all this? I, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a less exciting generation overall, but, you know, a generation where pre- performance catches up to pricing is kind of not, <laughs> might be, kind of be what we need because I don't know if you read the internet, people don't like prices and, uh, yeah, if they release something for $600, uh, that's essentially as strong as their previous gen, but it's just a lot cheaper to make. Um, I think you would have a lot of people excited to be able to get 7900 XT to XT to 4080 super performance uh, because that's still mostly 4K 120 anyways. The only thing I would say is it's disappointing if they're still not making le- leaps with uh, ray tracing because... If they well, make, they should make a leap, but I don't think it's going to be a Lovelace like one, or it's not going to beat Lovelace. I don't think. I don't think. I'm not sure. Because if it ended up beating or at least tying Lovelace, that would show to me that AMD is at least on the road to catching up to, to Nvidia when it comes to ray tracing. But if they lose to it, there's still they they still have a, a lot of ways to go, and I'm worried how capable they are of actually catching up if that's what it is. 
Well, you know, on a recent Die Shrink, actually, where Carbon Cry talked to me about all of the recent uh, hot chip stuff, he made a very interesting point about how until AMD has the bandwidth and the knowledge and the really the backing of frankly PlayStation and Xbox to go for play uh, ray tracing hard so they know they'll get the dev support for it and they don't have to pay all of them to program it well it almost makes sense to make ray tracing not an afterthought but like a gen behind Nvidia so it can do what they do but not as well but it can still do it and the console manufacturers aren't asking for any more than that and then at least they can make the die smaller and cheaper because they have to beat Nvidia on price their brand isn't as good. I just think that's mm-hmm. a worthy point, but and I don't think AMD is going to try to beat Nvidia and ray tracing directly uh, until uh, until the consoles have it as like a key feature in performance for their next gen games. Um, and actually, I, I had a contact suggest to me recently that it even makes kind of more sense why AMD would be betting on a really powerful mid range next year. Instead of going for ultimate performance, if eventually ray tracing is going to become more and more important, but right now raster is still king, right? If raster is still king, we're at massive diminishing returns in how much it matters past a 7900 XTX. So why not just make that cheaper until well, you can win ray tracing because you don't need more raster until and and you don't need ray tracing until ray tracing is standard. And it and it isn't yet. And it probably won't be for three to five years, a key feature in half of the games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would guess it's at least two generations from now where it starts truly becoming a key feature that, uh, 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 like, just complete path tracing, I don't see it being a big feature, possible, possibly being a big feature for, like, two or three generations. And then doing mixed raster ray tracing is really not going to be there at, at like, mainstream or uh, mid-tier gaming until probably two gens from now. and. And that might coincide about with when the new consoles come out, so, which would be line up perfectly for AMD. And yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to say, with if NVIDIA is still trying to go for ultimate performance next generation, it might fall flat. I think flat. they are. It might fall flat because look at the 4090, look at its benchmarks. It's even, it, it's get games are becoming CPU bound on the 4090 pretty clearly, even in 4K. If they try to go for another like fifty percent performance, which I think they will, I mean, you might not even see the benefit of that. <laughs> Half of the PCs <laughs> out there, point. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, QH Freddy writes him, and he says, "Can AMD's move away from MCM with RDNA four be explained by the high demand for MCM, so multiple chips, you know, chiplets, and other designs driving up the assembly process cost to where they are unattractive for consumer products, but when they were planning RDNA 3, maybe using chiplets was more cost-effective before MI300, Hopper, and everything else started using the same tech. Would it have been better for AMD in the long-term competition with NVIDIA to have actually held off, therefore, on going past monolithic until they didn't have another option until now, because it seems like Lovelace has proven you can still get similar performance and almost similar price performance by going monolithic. And RDNA 4, if it's better price performance, would prove monolithic can be cheaper as well. Um, I think there's some truth to that. I've, I got some pushback, actually, that not all of the stuff being used to make MI300 would compete with the assembly line for RDNA 3. And so it's not really a one-to-one. Mm-hmm. What I would say, though, is 
personally, I think the main reason AMD would cancel top RDNA 4, which you've already talked about, the 8900 XDX that used Navi 4C, I lick, uh, leaked, I did not lick it because I've not no. seen it in person, but I leaked a schematic for uh, Navi 4C. Um, and I think, you know, they just looked at that and they said, so let's get this straight. Next year, we're going to launch Zen 5, Turin, Turin Dense, Hawkpoint, Strix. And then we're going to, in the next year, do Strix, Halo, Kraken, Escher, Fire Range. I mean, it's very clear we have a lot of stuff we're launching, and a lot of it's around mobile. Um, hmm. Do we really need more of them? The 8800 XTR, whatever, because that's basically the biggest monolithic die we're going to make that fits in mobile easily. When Shouldn't we just make sure that's perfect and comes out on time next to Strix Point so we can make Strix RDNA 4 laptops, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. that's also just a major thing here is just... And then PlayStation 5 Pro. Number one is taking mobile market share from Intel next year and then also making sure Sony's happy. And then on top of that, I mean, raster seems like it's kind of maxed out for most people and what they want. If it is, we don't even need more than the mid-range. I, I honestly think that's what they're thinking here. Um, and could they have gotten it working? They probably could have, but it took a ton of money, and it'd be better to just launch any of these products I just mentioned, or even MI400 on time. This is before we even talk about competing with packaging assembly lines. Yeah, if like NVIDIA puts out like a 5090 that doubles... Uh, I mean, that gets 50% better raster performance and like 60 or 70% better ray tracing performance or something. There, it, There's at least a new benefit you're getting out of that, even if the raster performance is kind of going down the drain uh, at a certain point. Mm. The same argument can't be made for AMD, where if true, if they do the same thing and they like, and they have something that's say, I don't know, 10, 10 to 20% behind the 5090, but it's still like half of what the 5090 is in ray tracing or something, well, then you're just spending more money for a product that really can't deliver you that much more than what's already on the market. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, I mean, yeah, it makes sense why they would ax that. And it sounds like it's complicated and expensive. And the first time they did MCM on GPUs didn't necessarily work out very well. And I don't know if that's because of MCM, but maybe there is heating issues with it. Right, and while they have a design ready to go that they think might mostly fix it, I mean, do you want to run into potential issues or, again, put all of your money into RDNA 4 monolithic, which also is perfectly ready for the PlayStation 5 Pro and all these laptops, and then just you'll save money to make sure that not only MI400 comes out on time for AI customers, but you could save money on... MCM RDNA 5, maybe it could come out just one year after RDNA 4. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of reasons why they honestly would do this. Um, Hoosier writes in, um, assumedly from the state of Indiana, and says, so You'd RDNA... Think. what You would think. You would think so. So RDNA 3 missed its expected performance targets. Will RDNA 4 make up for that? Will RDNA 4 have the same expected performance gains over RDNA 2 as before the RDNA 3 issues were known? You know, and I've seen these questions asked multiple times in the past. Like, you know, if RDNA 3 was expected to be 50 to 100% better than RDNA 2, which technically, when I said 50%, that's the 6900 XT, they hit that. So... If they were trying for that, and then I was expecting RDNA 4 to be something 
I think I said 30 to 60% better than that. Does that still make it? I mean, I don't know. Let me do the, let's call it 1.75 times 1.45. Like, do you still expect to be 2.5 times better than the 6,900 XT? You know, I usually just kind of avoided these questions because I would prefer to just answer a more specific one. But I, I thought of a good answer to this today when someone asked this for this episode. And it's that if something went wrong with RDNA3's architecture, which it did, that caused it to perform about 20% worse than expected, at least at the power consumption level they shipped it at, why would that not affect RDNA4's uplift over RDNA2? If something went wrong with RDNA3, then my projections for 4 over 3 probably remain. But those gains weren't made in 3. It's not like these things are like, you know, <laughs> they're not it's magic. Something went wrong. Maybe RDNA4 does stuff that more than makes up for what went wrong before. It's possible, but there's no reason to assume that. Yeah. It, it, it's like assuming that assuming the teams making this are operating 100% independently of each of one another and almost kind of like speaking in a way that RDNA four isn't, wouldn't be based off of the technology <laughs> that RDNA three is based on. Mm-hmm. And I would just add on to that and go, I don't remember leaking any specs for RDNA. Uh, RD, uh, yeah. RDNA. Yeah. I don't, well, I mean, I guess I have by now, but you know, a year or so ago when I said four over two, I don't re- I remember it being like, what generally do you expect from engineers? You know, what's the speed up of four over three? Uh, you know, it, it's not like they were just like, this will definitely be this much better than two. Remember, my initial RDNA three leaks were basically, I think I said minimum 40% increase over the 6900 XT, most likely at least 50%. And some people are hoping we can hit 100%. Um, that was multiple different people estimating based on what they've seen in simulations and what that they've seen in the specs proposed in the meetings they were in. I mean, RDNA 4 was even farther away at that point. I just remember assuming that, and I think RDNA 4 has changed by now. I mean, the RDNA 4 of the time was expected to be a smaller increase than 3, but come out quicker. And it's seemingly not really that way at all anymore so I, I i can't really answer anything that was said a while ago because enough things have changed that you know you know and here's a good example too of how these things can happen my understanding is rdna1 was kind of like they cut off final development of the rdna architecture before you, you don't say before it's done but before they kind of accomplished all of the things they wanted to because the mid-range mm-hmm. dies were above expectation the high-end dice had performance issues and they're like cut them launched the 5700 XT. And then RDNA 2, from how I've heard some people describe it, it was almost like just RDNA 1.5. That's why it could come out one year after RDNA 1. They finished Infinity Cache and tweaked a few things. That's it. The IPC, the per compute unit performance of 2 and 1 is the same. You know, but they called it RDNA 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and, and all these things, the PlayStation 5, uh, 5, the Xbox Series X, Steam Deck, all of these things have really different variants of these RDNA architectures that are above above one you know so i i don't know guy i i don't think you can just look at it as this was the target it can't change here just enough things change from where we talk about that where we just go when we're talking about what you should expect out of rdna4 it's not worth talking about what's changed from three years ago let's just say they expect to have a mid-range die that matches navi 31 performance
Mm-hmm. There. That that's what you should expect. And let's not get caught up in moving targets from years ago. Um Deadeyes117 writes in and says, I think it would be a mistake for AMD to call their top gen card for the uh, their top card for their next gen RDNA for the 8800 XT if it is comparable in performance to the 4080. I think a lot of people would basically see it as AMD being a full generation behind NVIDIA. Whether it actually should matter or not, the names of these products definitely do influence people's perceptions. Seems like the best move would be to call something that trades blows with the 4080, the 8700 XT, so it's perceived as a big leap over either brand's last gen offerings from their marketing naming tier. Hopefully their counterpart counterparts are, this counteracts any bad press amd would have at the halo tier compared to nvidia the only downside is i see maybe people would be seeing an 8800 xt branded car being so cheap i think the optics of the 48 comparison would be worse what do you think um well i i mean i think guys these names come down to what they think they can get away with i mean that's all it is i the 4080 from my perspective I mean, should be called maybe the 4070 Ti for $900 is what should have happened. And there's going to be people that say, you should be $900, you're crazy. Guys, the 3080 broke even at about 600 bucks. It hasn't even dropped below MSRP until like two months ago. <laughs> and so if that 600 millimeter square die that was heavily cut down, the 3080, broke even at 600 for nanometer, the or the 4N node, you should say, that NVIDIA is using costs about twice as much or at least 50% more per transis, uh, per millimeter squared of silicon. And that means that you're looking at something that probably breaks even at 600 to 700 something dollars, meaning 900 is realistic. You know? So that's why I think they should just be honest. That, this is an argument I made a while ago. They should have called it the 4070 Ti and said, yeah, it's $900, but it's stronger than a 3090 Ti. They should have said, yeah, the 47, what we're calling the 4070 the 4060 for 500 yeah i know it's 500 for a 60 guess what it's as strong as the 3080 <laughs> you know that's what nvidia should have done but all of this is just whatever they can get away with and if they call it the 8800 xt it's because they think they can charge more than 500 that's what it comes down to i think yeah i mean their pricing tiers more than anything i think uh, I, I, it's a balancing act i think amd tried to get away with branding too many of their things as high end this generation and we'll see if that continues to happen next generation i have i have no reason to believe they'll go one way or the other uh, if i had to guess they would go the way they they're going now because the 7800 xt is selling pretty well and marketing teams will probably make it take their takeaway for that will be well calling it the 7800 xt was the right choice even though you really have no way to ultimately prove how yeah. much the name of a product actually influences people's buying patterns, that you're running the experiment. You're running with a the, ton of variables you can't control. Yeah, it, it, you, there's no way to unrelease the 7800 XT and rerun it again as the 7700 XT. So you can ultimately claim anything as a marketing win if you want. <laughs> Well, if I hear sometimes people in marketing tell me that the half of their job is just figuring out a way to prove they were right about how they marketed it, <laughs> and they can kind of make anything look like that. But yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Dead Eyes, I, I, I gen- generally agree. I mean, I made this argument with NVIDIA. You know, I think NVIDIA should have been more generous with Lovelace, even though Lovelace costs a lot more to make than Ampere. I still think they should have tried to be a bit, or, bit more generous in how they price their cards because you can see their sales have collapsed in the high end a bit and they could have avoided that uh, 
it's a bit of coulda, shoulda, woulda, and they would probably say, but I think we can say, in, at least with hindsight, that they should have, you know, and therefore they should have just said, this is the 12 gigabyte 4060, what we now call the 4070. Yep, it's $500, but you know what? AMD can't even touch it, you know, for the same price. So who cares? Like that, I think that's better for your brand is saying this $500 card, what they could have called the 4060 is 30% better than what we used to call the 3070 at the same price. Who cares if it's called a 60? It's better at the same price. But that's not what AMD did with the 7800 XT. And I can't escape this point here, Dead Eyes. Even if the 8800 XT was only as strong as a 7900 XT, I mean, what we're 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 talking about something twenty five percent, thirty percent stronger than the mm-hmm. seventy eight hundred XT. If they can sell it for five hundred, why would they not still just call it the eighty eight hundred XT? And and if they beat the forty eighty, if it matches a forty eighty super, all the more reason to cause call it the eighty eight hundred XT for six hundred dollars. I, I mean, I just think that's probably likely unless it loses or trades blows with the 7900 XT or something and Nvidia has better stuff out at the time then i think they have to charge 450 and that's the actual reason they're calling it this 8700 XT right mm-hmm. um all right well that is the last story so let us now get to the final wrap up these are the stories that we don't think need a full large discussion but are at least worth mentioning uh number 1 here what did I see? I saw an interesting add-on. Let me scroll through all this stuff. Um, for oh yeah, we've talked about this before, but now we have another like Navi 33 add-on bank. And this one comes with a uh NVMe SSD. I just think it's interesting seeing more things use the Oculent connector, which doesn't cost a lot of money, to make an external kind of um, what do you want to call it, dock for a handheld or a laptop that has a built-in graphics card. I think something like this is something that would almost get me to consider um, going all laptop again, is if you could get me a dock that I could buy for a reasonable price that plugs into any laptop and could have a high-end card, and then it also has extra USB outputs and mm-hmm. Ethernet on it, I could just get like a Strix Point 12 core. Yeah, that, that's just what I might do. The problem is I keep seeing these use Navi 33, and I think it's because they know any stronger in Oculink doesn't have enough bandwidth. But it's still, I think it's still an exciting development. Yeah, I, I mean, these give... Things like this make uh, the possibility of having like a true laptop re- desktop replacement thing where you just dock your laptop or something and don't have a desktop anymore makes it seem like it's a more realistic proposition in the future but this i don't think it's quite there um just because they're still relatively expensive and like you said they're still using relatively weak gpus but Mm -hmm. eh, it's an option (laughs) um also gta 6 is supposedly gonna have a trailer in like i don't know a few weeks i mean I don't know. I know me and you thought GTA 5 was a fantastic game, especially when it came out. Uh, this is... It, it almost seems odd it's finally happening. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, they really figured out a way to milk... how to milk uh, GTA 5, so to some extent you're like, <laughs> is, is that just what the con- series is at this point? But I'm, I'm always... Well, Red Dead Redemption 2 proved that they were willing to, even if they're not going to do more DLCs, because they make more money online... At least they are going to make, I mean, the amount of money they spent making Red Dead Redemption 2, which made not even half the money of GTA 5, be so expensively huge. 
proves they still want to do that at least. And I think like anyone that says, well, GTA six took too long to come out. A lot of people would say, Hey, we're lucky we're getting another one when they could have just kept mil- uh, milking GTA five with expansion packs. Oh yeah, I know. And I don't know. It's always exciting. They have another rockstar game come out. They're one of those. They're still one of those big companies that it's a big event whenever a game by them comes out. And they don't do this thing like launch Modern Warfare 3 and have it uh, be a shameful showing where it was. Isn't it like Nicki Minaj is fighting like SpongeBob on the moon and they're calling this Call of Duty and the campaigns have finished? I mean, it's Rockstar doesn't do that, at least not anymore. And that's what kind of makes their releases. I'd say I'd compare them to like Naughty Dog as well as like, oh, it's kind of an event because this is a big deal. Yeah. Um. All right, Microsoft is buying a ton of MI300X for AI. I don't really have much to add about that. They're already buying to the 250X as well, but it just goes to show, you know, mm-hmm. customers are buying that from AMD, and we could see if that's what's making, what has to be at least partially what's making H100 demand soften. Um, we've already mentioned it. Dell Flyer mentions Ryzen 9000. Again, more evidence. Zen 5's right around the corner. Um, Intel's being sued over allegedly knowing about their downfall cpu vulnerability i think the article said for like five years Oof. good any thoughts on that dan no thoughts just good good job intel the the security vulnerability thing seems to be dying down a bit but it never completely goes away um no uh also rtx 4090 removed from chinese websites suggesting because and i say this because I heard suggestion NVIDIA could try to push back the export ban of the 4090 into China. No, it doesn't seem like it seems like they're done. And again, it mm-hmm. seems like this is why you'd see the 4080 Super use 8103. This is their attempt to have a high-end card launch in China anyways. That's as close to the 4090 as they can get. Um, all right. Well, that is the wrap-up. Fairly short one for this episode. Let us now then get into the final reader mails. So... Arkinian writes in and says, regarding this leak, and if I open that up, it is from Tech Reeve on Twitter that I think we've already talked about briefly, but it's about the AMD is supposedly going to partner with Samsung and Qualcomm on joint development of the next generations of FSR. Um, he says, I fail to see what AMD would gain from cross-developing FSR with a predominantly hardware-oriented vendor, Samsung, and a fully hardware-oriented vendor, Qualcomm. Do you think that this is about developing FSR as a software solution or developing a piece of hardware that will run part of FSR, specifically a part that would need to run AI for a future version of FSR? Well, so first of all, Samsung and Qualcomm have a lot of experience in image upscaling and interpolation. Uh, including in machine learning algorithms and also for things like camera apps on phones. So I think it's kind of a natural thing for AMD to want to partner with them from that perspective. And then also AMD has a lot of software experience on the other hand. And so, yeah, I mean, I would think Samsung and Qualcomm would want to work directly with AMD on whatever the best third-party upscaling tech is, which is pretty much FSR, right? And try to make it as good as possible so they can just make it a package with their products. I mean, they sound to me. They, it sounds like their interests are naturally aligned with each other. But and, and don't forget this: I've leaked this. You know, AMD's working on a version of FSR that has hardware accelerated. They make hardware. They're going to want to mm-hmm. maybe see if there's little things they can do to make sure their hardware accelerates it in a similar way, right? 
Um, and again, that'll be really interesting. This is a blast from the past, like a, a conversation from a year ago on Broken Silicon, but me and you talking about how it seems like some version of RDNA, maybe three, 3.5, four, maybe all of the above, and four does it better than three, um, has a way of hardware accelerating the next generation of FSR. Not two, but maybe three. Um, or I guess what they call it four because three is just their, te- yeah, that probably would be then four. And, uh, you know, they'll have a way they do it and they get a head start because they are part on the ground floor of making FSR. And so RDNA 3 may get to accelerate it that way. It'd be interesting, though, if they then go to NVIDIA. By the way, Tensor Cores can accelerate FSR 4.0, but you have to program it yourself and help (laughs) us develop FSR. I think that's going to be the interesting thing. And I think, you know, again, to add on, to bring it back to Harkinian's question, that's why you would see AMD partnering with Samsung and Qualcomm. They probably have a way of accelerating FSR 4.0 with RDNA 3 and 3.5 and so on and so forth. And they're going to leave openings for other people to add their little Lego pieces of hardware acceleration that leverage FSR 4. Samsung and Qualcomm probably want to get in on this now, help them develop it, and also make sure their hardware has a way to hardware accelerate it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's also part of it. Um, Why Truly writes in, he says, Hey guys, my girlfriend and I are doing a bit of renovation in our apartment, changing out some old drywall and planks with new drywall. At the moment, there is no Ethernet or anything in the wall. I'd like to wire Ethernet to all rooms in our apartment, but it's 2023 and Wi-Fi 7 is here. Is Wi-Fi 7 good enough for replacing Ethernet? P.S. We also have plans to put Internet and TV in a centralized location to make some sort of electrical closet, maybe add wires to the walls for speakers. Maybe also add HDMI ports with like 2.1 or something to two or more possible TV locations as well. So Wi-Fi 7 is getting impressive. Six already was. You know, I think this was in 2019 I had on it wireless specialist that talked about like Wi-Fi 6E or something can do some things better even when you involve latency to a certain degree than wired at least in terms of like bandwidth constraints you mm-hmm. know but you're never going to do reliability better than wired and if that matters to you you do it and if all you were doing is remodeling some stuff and you could just get a new $600 router then do that but if you're already wiring HDMI and stuff through the walls Put yeah, some Ethernet not? cables already. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see a reason not to do it if you have the know-how on, on how to install it yourself. It shouldn't be too expensive. I mean, the counter to that is an apartment is probably a relatively small space, and I'm sure Wi-Fi 7 is good enough to penetrate through their entire apartment and deliver almost as good Wi-Fi. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I would choose to wire it if you're able to. <laughs> right. If you're already doing the work and you think you'd like it, do it. It is just so much more reliable. I mean, where you're staying now, you're using a 200 foot Ethernet cable to make sure our podcasts don't crash. So you've seen firsthand how useful it is. Um, you know, and uh, my house, you you stayed here for a bit, Dan. It was nice having Ethernet ports in every wall. Right. Yes, it was. <laughs> you know, it's 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 crazy nice, and you know, we're to the point now where ether we're speeds are fast enough that like if you have 10 gigabit cabling or something or even just above one or 2.5 gigabit you're not going to need to rewire that for decades so just you Mm -hmm. know do it i would i would do it if you're already going to i think it's totally worth it which the person who i hired to do this i still owe him a bottle of whiskey by the way he's got to come over here at some point and get that just throwing this out there you got to come get that whiskey man i owe you it um trogaholic writes him He says, hi, Tom, and maybe Dan. Sam Altman was ousted from his position at OpenAI. Is this a signal of the AI bubble starting to pop? If not, will AI companies or investors view it as such? Any thoughts related to Sam Altman? 
Well, so I love this because that's two different questions. And I bring up this example that I brought up to you many times in the past, Dan, which was I used to do a decent amount of stock trading. Uh, not heavy, but I did it. You know, I was moving more than nickels and dimes about mm, five years ago before the channel started. And I got into some green energy companies and a couple that I made a little bit of money off of, I was like, I'm just looking at these companies. They have no bad history. They've never done anything bad and they seem to be making more money every quarter. Why are more people not? Why did they crash like a decade ago? Because that's when Enron did. And <laughs> when Enron crashed, all of these green companies crashed with them, whether it's fair or not. And the same thing happened with like Google and Yahoo. Like it, when pets.com and all, and like, what was it? Like, I think there was grocery van or something went down, which arguably grocery van was just to have its time. Um, it brought down all other inner companies. And I'm sure some decent ones went out of business that really weren't justified to. And, you know, it's too early to say, I'll let you go. I don't know if you've done any research on it. For me, it's too early to say, because I haven't really looked into it, like what's going on with this. But it could be a situation where OpenAI is a good company, the CEO is bad, but they still view the AI bubble bursting. If they look at that, next to other things going wrong. And as me and you, Dan, have followed crypto or really just Bitcoin for such a long time, we know how often it is that a dumb story boosts the uh, currency's value and how often a good story is ignored. General sentiment matters. And if we're getting into a fear area of the market, like everyone's starting to sit there going, uh-oh, are we already holding an AI bag? Even if OpenAI is a good company, if the CEO is bad, they may take this as an omen that it's all nonsense, even though I don't think it is. You know, I, I don't know if you know anything about this, what your thoughts are. Uh, so the Sam Altman thing is insanely confusing to, to me. Uh, it seems like they didn't like some of the statements he made about AI in general because he, I should say they, the board didn't like that because he kind of suggested that like AI might be Armageddon. And it's like, well, if you think it might be Armageddon, why are you developing it? Which uh, I have that fear to an extent to some to some extent. Like maybe we shouldn't have just opened this Pandora's box. Like I saw an ad I saw someone talking about an ad uh, that an influencer ma- had a fake ad made using their likeness and voice. Mm. And it's like, yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> um but it seems like they ousted him because they didn't like some of his statements. And as of a few hours ago, he might be coming back. So I don't know what's going on. Oh, so that's AI. already developed. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how I would just couch this conversation. Like, uh, you know, Carbon Cry, who's now ha- helping with the notes, advised maybe don't talk about this yet. All I would say is I'm not going to, this, my answer isn't about what's going on with him. My answer just is. Do keep in mind that if the AI bubble bursts, it might be well after it should have or before it should have. And people could price in negative news just because they're in a bad mood about the market and look for reasons to say AI is collapsing when it may have nothing to do with it. We saw, I saw green energy companies collapse when Enron did that had nothing to do with Enron and are still healthy companies to this day that didn't recover until like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, that is all of the reader mails, all of the stories, and uh, all of the minor stories from this episode. Um, I don't really have much else to say. I've got to get downstairs and eat dinner with my girlfriend and have some. Uh, well, I don't think it'll be a cake. I think we're she's trying to make an Oreo pie, so that'll be exciting. 
Um, but you know, I guess happy birthday to me and any final words, Dan. Uh, I guess happy birthday to you, Tom. <laughs> oh, you guess that's it. You just guess you're not sure. Well, I, 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 I did text you this morning. So, but, and we're well, talking now. Well, apparently you should have texted me a few times. So I know that you're not guessing, but nobody turns this age every, every month. So it's 32 is a big year. It's a crazy year. It's a year where you work on your birthday anyways, because it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, again, for watching, for listening. Remember, subscribe to Moore's Law is Dead on YouTube. Ring the bell button. Also, remember, if you subscribe to the Moore's Law is Dead Patreon, you have already gotten this, actually, <laughs> early and ad-free, and you'll get access to podcasts like Die Shrink. We just had a new one come out now where I took a bet on RDNA4's performance with a fan. We also had a lot of other fun stuff we talked about in that one as well. So again, that's just $2 a month gets you access to that and a bunch of other bonus content that never has ads in it. But otherwise, yep, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening again. And have a good week. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is probably where we have to say that. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving, everybody. Well, if you're an American, happy Thanksgiving. I don't think... If you're not, get the fuck out of here. No no turkey. No turkey for you, you know what? I, you anything know, else. I, I'll make the opposite suggestion. Learn how to cook a turkey and cook a turkey this Thursday if you're not American. Cook yeah. well, they're pretty good. I've heard, I've heard people argue online a lot on podcasts that turkey is of, always dry. It is not always dry if you know how to make it. Yeah, it, it's dry because it's not cooked well. <laughs> yeah, and I know this is going to start a bunch of fights in the comments that can only benefit the algorithm. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Carrie Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Carrie No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Laws Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content truly possible. Every month and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. 
I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and Loose Ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, Z Jits, Daniel D, Ian Clifford, Aaron Close, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Jeezy Ziggy, Brian Riggleman, MJB1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Nicholas Buckner, Jim Ferrier, Malcolm Alev, Jensen Wang, Andrew S, Gregory Sacker, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Artforum.com, Chris Rich, Greg Wanchek, 3DS Play 08, Albuma, Compressed Earthblocks, Shredbird, Dr. Foreman, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Blake, Franco Frederick, Holden Mobley, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Sammy Malas, Slicky, Jordan Simkovic, Stephen Hart, William Leaked, Meat and Pork, The Boss Haas, Tim Robb, Penta Wenta, Travis Gooding, Stefan, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Roger Davies, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Grow, Amiable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, I should Mark Raidmaker, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson N, Chrysantine, Colin Tadards, The Eternal Dreamers, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Zhang, Neithra Zing, Mitchell Pell, D31337 Antics, Hexapuma, Toka, Reginald Ari, T Cottom, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Gaiman Sense Reagan, Jeff Seller, Lupo35, Windstar, James I, Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Post Media, Dave Schultz, Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I71700K, Jamie Witters, Joe Foot, Hardland, Slushbot, C2, My Sharona, Earth Taurus, Jansen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Hemsick Gung, Tails2299, Me, Val Verga, John, Menti CZ, Sisyphos, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AC, Richard Cowgill, Win Wang, Michael Cozy, Dr. J. Mann, Alex Vega, Free D, Brighton Wright, uh, John Swin, Joe LaMartina, Kickham, Elbergun, Solarize 80, Thalo 215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Rennick 1988, Jeff Johnson, Rowan McKecky, Cornstar 671, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>